What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Cooldown Time, the sickest gaming podcast in the game. By so far, sick. For sure. Uh, my name's Marco. I am your graphically outdated and slightly congested host. Joining me is the technical mess and snotty mess of the show, uh, Pablo. Uh, We're both here recovering from, from, from illness, disease, ailments. Uh <laughs> bubonic plagues we got all kind of stuff going on with us man got a uh, case of the vapors <laughs> i don't know what that is uh well look man we're here we're here we're, we're on the, we're on the comeback trail though i don't want people to get all worried about our, our, our health and wellness i'd say i'm about 86 percent back in 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 my normal swing of things how are you coming along though man yeah i feel pretty good considering how i felt uh, last week i have like this congestion in my chest though so every time i cough it it burns mm. it burns so good all right uh but it's uh, i'm okay I, i'm feeling a lot better Even a little uh does but my, my energy might not be the same as usual but I, I'm, I'm i'm here ready to go <laughs> it doesn't sound like too much is changing on the energy front right now by the sound of it but uh look man yeah i'm I, i'm with you uh me and my daughter had some mystery thing that we had. She was she was cool in like three days. I'm I'm on day seven right now, and I still feel uh, a little off. But you know, I'm 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 at least uh, getting a chance to play some new stuff to pass the time, and we'll be talking about that in a short while. Uh, speaking of which, look, man, we have a pretty uh, I gotta say a pretty heavy episode because uh, while we're feeling physically sick, I was pretty sick to my damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> with what we heard about uh good old Microsoft so we'll be talking uh in in pretty good length about the uh the layoff situation uh, and I think people are going to be pretty interested to hear uh how different our conversation I think is going to be compared to what everybody else has been saying about the subject for sure uh we'll be talking about PlayStation we're going to talk about remakes um you know remakes are some you know some 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 people are thinking that remakes are getting a little out of hand out there i think we're going to tackle that um with one of our topics as well so we got a lot of interesting things we even got revisionist history uh best games from 2014 that we play um that we, that we love now in 2024 so we have our a whole new top 10 uh revisiting that year uh in our main event of the show so we have we have a lot for the people uh this week man so why don't we go ahead and dive right in to what we have on the docket let's do it like we always do uh with loadouts let's go all systems nominal loadouts ready all right, this is the segment about the games we've been playing, uh, and, and thankfully uh, we finally have one of the biggest releases of 2024 upon us, Pablo, that uh, we are both playing right now, and that is Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. Uh, we're both uh, pretty, you know, uh, well-professed fans of, of this franchise. We have uh, been riding with this series for a while now. We love the characters. We love the stories. Uh, and, and Infinite Wealth comes out to amazing reviews. It's currently at a 90 on Open Critic, uh, which is incredible. Um, and people are loving this thing. So yeah. we've had some time to play it. 
We've had some time to kind of dig in, see what the fuss is about, if it really is that good, or uh, if we have a different take or two. Uh, And so, you know, you have uh, put in way more time than me. Um, I I heard on the streets that you took a flight out to New Zealand. Yep, sure did. Got a chance to play it a little bit early on the Xbox. Um, A whole day early. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, so I, I, I think it's best to give you the floor, Pablo. You've had more time under your belt with this game so far. I'm really curious to hear your breakdown of how your experience has been so far. Yeah, yeah. As for that 90, that's the. Uh, I think it broke the, the curse. I don't think any mainline Yakuza game or like a drag game has ever reached 90. It's always in the high 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With some weird head scratchers being in the in the high 70s. So some of those. So so it's it's it's. I'm happy to see it's getting its due. I have to say though, um, this game is delivering on just about every aspect that I that I wanted it to. I think it is a clear improvement over the uh, a couple of years ago like a dragon. Uh, I think it's 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 a clear improvement over that. Uh, obviously, it's taking that formula that it already has established with uh, like a dragon seven, uh, and and that turn based combat, and has and and hasn't really tried to reinvent itself, but rather kind of improve those things that already has made like a dragon uh special so infinite wealth here i think the biggest improvements that i've seen so far uh in terms of its gameplay has been in combat i think the ability to kind of move around in a more larger space so you can kind of plan next moves using like items that are nearby i think that stuff is 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 really nice again you were able to do that in the previous game, but now it gives you the ability to actually move around in a wider spot to actually interact with items that you can then use. Um, you can also use that space to kind of uh, move your character and and kind of take unsuspecting uh, enemies from behind. Uh, pause. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know I mean? But, you know, you make more damage because you snuck on them. Uh, uh, so things like that really work really well. The The one thing that I think that's the biggest uh, kind of improvement to combat is the ability to line up moves. In the previous game, you can hit a character and it hits another character and that takes damage. But in this game, it's a feature now where you can actually line up moves where you can do... I've done things where I've lined up an enemy to hit another enemy, which is in front of one of my teammates, which then bounces into him and then I can hit him, which then hits a car. Like, I've I've actually done that. Like, that, that was my plan to do it. And so it adds that extra level of depth to the combat that wasn't there with with like a, like a Dragon where I think some of the complaints about like a Dragon was like it is an RPG, a JRPG, but it's a JRPG light. Now it is still that, but these improvements, specifically things like that, really make this experience uh, some uh, an extra layer to think about while you're in combat. So it's not just pressing attack or skills, uh, skill thing. It's kind of now you're really planning these attacks, which is really interesting. And I think that's that 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 extra level of depth that was needed to to improve that overall. Uh, things like uh, quality of uh, life improvements. I don't know if you reached these parts yet, but there's something called SmackDown. Uh, on the SmackDown, what basically all that is is there's a lot of encounters in this game. You know, a lot of encounters, a lot of pe- a lot of enemies on the street, and basically all that is um, is if you're over leveled through each of the enemy types, like there's three people, and you're each of your uh, team is 
over leveled all you have to do is hit lt which is a smackdown and it will auto battle and it will be a quick oh battle. yeah i've seen that yeah. yeah yeah so it'll completely just everybody in your party including uh ichiban will just eliminate them like in seconds you'll get less uh you get less xp but you actually kind of negate grinding a little bit in that way uh and also when it comes to that i haven't really had any difficulty spikes uh, at all throughout even in some specific main boss fights i know in the previous games you got you reached certain levels where the difficulty went straight up in the air it was like pretty hard for mm. no reason uh there's none of that so far and i'm uh, i'm almost 20 hours in, about 18 hours in and i've not seen that once um I will say this. Narratively, this game is a slow burn. Uh, I don't know how anybody who hasn't played Like a Dragon or even familiar with the Yakuza series can play these opening hours and enjoy them as much as I have enjoyed them. I don't know if you enjoyed it. We'll get to to, to your thoughts because it is a lot set up. It's even recontextualizing some of the events of uh, Like a Dragon 7 in some aspects. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, So I I think it's a slow burn. It works for me, uh, but there's a lot of put your control down and watch really long, uh, you know, CGI cutscenes or just in-game cutscenes more than I think previous games. Cause there's a, there's a lot of like catching up that you're doing with, 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 with certain friends and certain people, people, things, uh, people you've not seen for a while and you get reintroduced to them. So they're, 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 they're doing a lot in that aspect. Uh, but I, I will say, uh, I think the narrative is working really, really good. I, 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 you have to kind of always remember here that this is a character-driven story. The overarching uh, narrative is a little bit, co- a lot of coincidences, a lot of like, okay, come on, that's not realistic. But the, you kind of have to suspend, dis- uh, suspend disbelief because of the way that these characters are in, written and the way that they've actually done can continue to do such an incredible job with these characters. Um, I'm playing, just to kind of throw this out there, I'm playing the English dub. I don't know what you're playing yet, Marco. I... I, I, I had to switch to the English dub because there was some weird language stuff happening once you reached Hawaii where <laughs> the actor that was uh, playing uh, the Americanized Japanese was like, my English isn't my English is perfect. My Japanese is very good, but they're over here. They don't sound very good in English. <laughs> like, I, not to be racist, but it's like they're saying, like, I'm very proud. And then, then they, <laughs> and then they talk in Japanese, and I'm not fluent in Japanese, but it sounds pretty damn good because it sounds oh, just like no. uh, Kasuga's talking Japanese. So it's like I had to switch over because that disconnect was way too much, and it is working <laughs> a lot better for me. I will say, Young Yi's uh, voice acting has grown on me. I think he does a good job. The only issue is sometimes it's it's just it's not his quality of voice acting. It's like the voice acting, the sound, my, f- my familiarity with him, and then him kind of voicing one of my favorite characters of all time. There is sometimes that disconnect, but there are times where I find myself in really engrossing moments where that's not bothering me. I'm not even thinking about that. So mm. he does a good job. He finds the voice enough to where I th- it's believable enough. It's just not perfect. And I think when it comes to voice casting, for the most part, main characters they do a pretty good job. And I think that's a little. It's still a little bit of a miss comparatively speaking uh but yeah I, I, even with me saying that i'm 18 20 hours in i am very very much early on there's i'm still getting introduced to new things the 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 companion stuff is very cool there's a there's a bond bingo where you go to these specific areas and you have these conversations with your teammates and 
you fill out a bingo card on their personality and you get to know more about them and you grow your bond that way that kind of stuff is really interesting really cool i go out of my way to find those spots to have those conversations because they're all fully voice acted they 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 open up those characters they give them personality they give them motivations and it's super interesting and i and i really like this about this game, about these games it's just about personality character and the way they develop or those develop those characters uh but other than that i i i really 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 love this game i i the 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 simmer you know to 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 the slow burn to to, to kind of reach these specific story moments it really works because when it hits it hits hard uh and so far so good man i i i'm i'm loving cool. the hell out of this game i'm obviously obsessed with it uh the only game i'm playing right now and i am going to ride this out till i finish it because i am completely enthralled like i want to finish this up so i can go back and, and play some more <laughs> but i know you've been playing it uh so what are your some of your thoughts man i'm curious to 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 see what you think yeah i mean i'm i'm not anywhere near as far as you are um they're still right right now they're still setting up the core premise of the game which brings you to hawaii so i just got to that so i'm i'm very early on um honestly i spent a lot of time just kind of running around uh the city and uh, you know just taking it all in again getting getting reacquainted uh with the characters and, and things like that um so my my perspective is is a lot you know shorter uh compared to yours but um i will say out of the gate i really loved the way that the game begins um i don't want to get into spoilers but it's a little there's a little dating situation that happens <laughs> in the beginning and i thought that was absolutely hilarious because it it, it it's it was genius in terms of storytelling because it got you reacquainted with the characters from the first game um it reminded you of why they have such an awesome bond together um you're getting bad advice from two different people about what to do about a dating situation so bad um and <laughs> it's you have to make choices based on that literal choices in the game about who's whose plan you're going to go with for certain things and um and I just thought it was the funniest thing, just kind of seeing how all those choices come together. And then you have Ichiban's own ways of doing things to a fault, kind of bleeding into the plan for the date. And it just blows up and it turns into a whole thing. And it just I, I thought it was an amazing way to kind of get me back in, um, because uh, admittedly, like a lot of time had kind of passed since I, I finished the last game. And I'm uh, like, yeah, I don't know how I feel. You know, I'm, I'm coming off it, of like a dragon guide and I, I feel more like I'm angled more towards those characters. And, and this just totally turned that around for me. And to, and to your point, the genius of that is is really good because it it. It, it reacquaints you or introduces you to these people's personalities like Adachi yeah. being like this toxic masculine idiot and then Namba just being a little bit more like everything is cool man just relax just let it they flow were funny as shit and, then, and then Ichiban just being so gullible he's a 45 year old 7 year old it's it's <laughs> It's so good the way they did, they did that because each of the personalities permeates oh. through those performances, and you're like, oh yeah, these guys are exactly the same guys yeah. that I remember, and it's so good. I, that's a good point. I, I didn't bring that one up. That's awesome. Yeah, and then Ichiban. I mean, they spend the intro with him. I mean, there was this one part where he's walking up, he stops, he looks directly at the screen at me, and he goes, "I'm going to be your character of the year in 2024." And then he keeps walking. <laughs> I, I swear that happened because <laughs> they so made dumb. him out to be like the 
most loving, giving, caring oh. human being in the world. I mean, they really lay it on thick. Um, but it's just like this guy is just incredible. I want to. I, I want to. I look up to this type of of, of people, and Bro, he is it, that. It's it was it was pretty cool to see that kind of come right in in the beginning as well. Oh my god! And it only compounds and gets worse. There's, there's a scene that happens that he does something, and the guy's like, "What is your problem? Why would you?" And he's like. Oh yeah, that was pretty crazy, right? Yeah, like like he, like mm. he's just realizing. Yeah, it's little stuff like that that happens. You're like you're like, oh my god, this guy is amazing. Like he's he's such a well written character. Yeah. he's incredible. Yeah. All right, let me keep cooking here. Um, so getting into the combat, I think I, I have a very small sample size of it so far, but I do agree. I like a lot of the positional. Um, things that it's doing now with that circle that's underneath you where you can line yourself up to hit somebody that bumps into somebody that knocks over something else. I don't think that's brilliant. Um, I think that introduces a, a nice amount of strategy where you're not just kind of circling around for no reason, but you're actually doing something more intentional. Um, it, yeah, the RPG mechanics uh, overall, though, uh, seem pretty rudimentary and familiar to the first game, which is fine. Um, but like you, I think, you know, just being very sensitive about the... Um, potential for you know a difficulty spike or two later in the game although i've heard a lot of people say it's much more forgiving so i think they probably have have avoided that i think they probably heard a lot of complaints about hey two or three of those boss fights towards the end of the last game were unbearable uh, unless you would, would grind for literally 10 hours to to get over level to to be able to even barely win which is what i had to do and it wasn't fun so i, I i'm hoping that they have addressed that the way that i've heard uh and the last thing that i will say is i'm a little I'm a little concerned about the game kind of jumping the shark once I get to Hawaii. What I what I really like about where I'm at now in this early stage of the game is everything feels very like like in balance. The the quirky is there, the the, the serious is there, the sweet is there, and it all kind of coalesces really nicely. And I'm I'm just concerned and I think it's because of the trailers and stuff that I've seen. And I don't want you to give me too much of a you know mm. clarity here because I want to kind of see it for myself. But I, I'm really concerned that Hawaii, when I get there, is going to be like the 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 gulf between serious and silly is going to get a little too wide, and maybe there's not enough in the middle between those two points as there are in the typical games. Um, I mean, it's. I don't want to go from riding a dolphin through the town to, you know, here's homeboy's terminal illness uh, chap, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about that not flowing well and being a little disjointed narratively. Um, so, I, you know, again, I haven't seen anything myself yet, but I'm really curious and almost concerned when I get to that part of the game and start seeing a lot of that contrast, is it going to be too jarring even for me who is accustomed to this from the series? Uh, so that's kind of what I'm going to keep a pin on uh, as I keep yeah. playing. Yeah. I have not kind of reached any of those moments myself yet in terms of, cause I seen those in the trailers as well. So I've, I've not gone there yet. So I couldn't even tell you how I feel about that specifically, but it's a good concern to have because I think yeah. that these games straddle that line 
all the time, and they're almost always about to jump that shark, and they they, they managed to, to to reel it in just enough. So there's quite literally a shark in this game that we see in the trailer. <laughs> so we'll see if they're able to to kind of uh, yeah. bypass that. What, one thing I want to bring up, and I, I want to ask you because I'm curious because I know you're a little more sensitive to this stuff. Performance mm-hmm. and visuals. I, I think uh, for me specifically, visually, the 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 uh, CGI cutscenes, the pre-rendered cutscenes, are absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they're they 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 kind of carry that that over from like um uh from the man who erased his name or the man who forgot his name or forgot whatever uh um, like you forgot the damn name of the game i forgot the damn name but yeah his name. guy did the man who erased his name yeah so like that, that that kind of visual fidelity is still there and it looks amazing i think the in-game stuff still looks pretty good there are moments where it really shines others with not so much this is a cross-gen game still so i i think it runs at 60 i i, I don't know i because there's yeah, no does. Okay, yeah, so it runs pretty good. I There are some slight moments in Hawaii that when there's, like, a lot of cars, you're on a Segway, you're kind of speeding through. There's a light chugging at times that's not persistent. It just kind of happens once or twice. But visually, I think the game looks really good with some caveats because it is cross-gen. And performance-wise, I'm having no issues with the performance stuff, so I'm really okay. uh, enjoying that. So I don't know if you've run into any of that yet. Well, here's the thing. So this game... And Like a Dragon Gaiden are actually running on two different engines. Mm. Um, this game is running on Unreal, and Gaiden is running on the, the their own proprietary Dragon engine. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh. So, and this is kind of be. I think this is because they were doing a lot of like dual development at the same time, and I think they're oh, just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. already up and running with this. I I don't think this game looks as good as as Gaiden does. I think Gaiden and the use of the Dragon engine. I think is a lot more clear. There's a lot better clarity with um, and more detail in the characters compared to this game. Um, it does look good. It's just that there's a lot of like not so... If you're, if you're really looking for it, you'll see a lot of like weird like grainy look to the hair um, even when they're standing still. There's like a lot of dithering kind of thing going on. Uh, and then there's like this weird little aura above some people's hair. Uh, so there's little things like that that kind of make you go, oh, this is kind of a tick down from the other one but i think fortunately performance is really good so far uh which is nice to see it's not a it doesn't strike me as a particularly taxing game either it's it's you know it's it's using a lot of last gen assets so i would be oh it's using, the, it's using assets from like 2005 man. well i mean they did create hawaii which is neat, yeah yeah but, no uh, no i know i know but, I was like, but it is cross i think cross gen right so there is that effect in, in play still i think it looks fine i think it looks good i i i don't think there were as many kind of like wow moments so far at least from when i was playing gaiden last year and was going man this is like surprisingly one of the best looking games i played last year you know like i didn't have that feeling so far yet with this one but they it it looks perfectly fine it looks perfectly serviceable yeah oh it's not there's no like oh that that's really ugly moment that i've had so far so yeah it, it i think it's it's checking those boxes pretty fine yeah yeah but um overall yeah i mean we got a lot of game there's a lot of game here uh, for oh, sure. Yeah. So we'll be talking about this one for the next few weeks, uh, more than likely. Um, I think it's uh, yeah. 50 hours if you kind of mainline it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do that this time. I, I, I usually not. mainline, to be honest, but um, I'm really curious to see a lot of Hawaii because that, you know, anytime they do a new location, that doesn't happen a lot. So when they do, yeah. it's like, okay, I want to really kind of see what they're up to here. Uh, so I'll probably spend a little extra time than normal, but yeah, I'm just, I'm probably just going to play mainly this and I'm going to keep chipping away at the last of us, uh, part two remastered, yeah. which I'm still enjoying. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of what we got going on here. I feel um, like, sorry, 
I feel like the sub stories are are there's, there's it's it's voice more. There's more voicing in some of the sub stories before it's a lot of that text box stuff. This looks like there's a lot more voice acting in a lot of the sub stories, so that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed a lot of text still, at least in the early portion. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm there ho- is. Hoping that there it goes is. away um, later on, because yeah, I don't I don't want to read too much. That's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't do a lot of side content in the previous games. Is like, oh, well, if you didn't voice act these, then it doesn't feel important to me to do them. Um, but yeah, um, splitting hairs there though, for sure. Uh, but look, that's going to do it for loadouts this week. It's time for us to get into the news segment of the show. We call hit points for breaking news, rumors, and booty juice. It's time for hit points. All right. Okay, Pablo. So we have a pretty, uh, interesting list of things to talk about this week to Mm -hmm. say the absolute least. Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, serious stuff to talk about, you know, which is uh, never fun, but it is necessary. We have to kind of, we have to, you know, encroach some some pretty rough territory here, some rough waters. But I think uh, it would be wise of us to kind of tackle some of these things head on. Uh, so let's kind of start with the big one from last week. Pablo, I'll kind of let you drive this one and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, well, Microsoft has unfortunately laid off 1,900 employees at Activision, Blizzard, Cinemax, and other roles from their gaming divisions. Um, yeah, Marco, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give you the floor here. Just kind of give me some overall thoughts here as to everything that's happening right now over yeah. at Microsoft and, and these companies. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very um, complex situation, um, and it, it made me kind of sit back and do a lot of thinking about how we need to talk about this today. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of podcasters talk about it. I've heard a lot of YouTubers talk about it. Um, but I've heard very few people be 100% real about it. And even fewer of them really speaking from the heart about the situation. Um, what we have is what seems like one of two things we have Xbox centric personalities that are trying to act as Xbox's PR crisis response team, or Jesus, we have people that are just kind of spouting the same words and terms they're hearing everybody else say, but saying them with an air of certainty or understanding that they don't actually have. So I, I I'm kind of tired of hearing about, the word redundancy. I'm tired of hearing about the COVID bubble bursting. I'm tired of hearing this is what happens after acquisitions happen. I'm tired of hearing this is a business. Um, quite frankly, I think those things have kind of been beaten to death uh, in the discourse about this. I think it's getting old. Um, so I, I really want us to kind of challenge ourselves through this conversation today to really advance the conversation because I think there's a lot more to unpack here than just rehashing how business works I think that's um, kind of putting it too lightly and I think it's simultaneously doing what other people have done about this topic which is kind of hand wave and brush off and bury their heads in the sand about what's really going on and how bad this actually looks Um, so I, I, I plan on being as brutally honest as I have to be today. Um, but that's kind of where my headspace is at when I think about this news. What about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, um, the, what companies do, uh, whether what 
decisions that they make in order to to reach these high levels of, of high numbers of layoffs and whatnot that doesn't that that doesn't concern us like just because they're trying to save money we shouldn't be like yeah yeah good on you save some money we have to be a lot more compassionate and 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 just call it as it is and look at what's happening here and 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 really call out the the leadership at xbox because they've created this environment where they feel or they want you to feel like they're on your side of things and then this stuff this stuff happens and then they just kind of seemingly release their minions onto us whether or not they do it on purpose but they've conditioned these folks to to act this way and i think that that makes everything here that much worse it looks that much worse so let's get into to some of the thoughts here some of the details uh yeah. as, as what exactly happened and we'll give you our thoughts on each of those kind of um kind of things mm-hmm. uh first let's talk about who these layoffs affected and so they've affected studios from uh the, the studios behind uh the teams behind sorry overwatch Call of Duty, and the team working on the survival game that was announced about six years ago from Blizzard, which is now canceled after those six years of development. To kind of break it down a little more specifically, Sledgehammer Games and Toys for Bob, they lost about 30% of their staff, and High Moon Studios lost 10%. Obviously, there's more people who lost their jobs, but these are the only numbers that we have on hand. Marco, so uh, kind of break this down for us. Well, it's pretty... um Unfortunate because it, you know it feels like Xbox went from stepping on rakes to to hurling them at innocent bystanders now. <laughs> like, I'm honestly disgusted by this. I think it's it's so ridiculous to, and this is why I kind of said what I said a moment ago about hearing this word redundancy chucked around like it's this explains it all. Um, it doesn't really explain a whole lot to me personally, um, it, and it, and where it starts is with how Xbox wants to support these franchises in the best possible way in the future. I understand that just because you have a lot of bodies doesn't mean that's the, the best thing for, for a project or for maintaining in this, in certain cases, you know, live service ongoing games. Uh-huh. But I don't understand what cutting 30% of the staff, nuking your, your team morale in the process and throwing your own roadmaps into a state of confusion and jeopardy accomplishes either. So it's it's one of those cases where you saved money, but you lose the trust of your team. You lose the belief in you uh, as being a, a good place to work. And you can't tell me that in terms of the human element, that that's not going to have some type of residual impact in the quality of work that we start getting from these studios what they're able to what they're able to achieve what they want to achieve and if the people who are still there even feel good about being there anymore and might just want to go look for another job anyway so that they're not the next in line to get laid off next if there's a wave two right so I, I think that this is where that frustration with just saying one word, redundancies, or these terms, the, bur- the, the bubble bursted with COVID, really get on my nerves because we need humans to make video games. Uh, I don't care what you think about AI at this point. You know, AI is going to be a supplemental piece to making video games. It's never going to be the driver 
Um, and until that changes, you need people to make this stuff happen. And it's just sad to see that they have all the money in the world for acquisitions. They have all the money in the world to make golden parachutes for people. They have all the money in the world to give these executives fat-ass bonuses. And yet, when it comes to paying the people that makes the games, they're patting down their pockets going, ooh, ah, fresh out of money. Fresh out. <laughs> what? So, it's, it's just, that's what I mean. You know, it's not hyperbole when I say it's sickening. It's just, it is. Because it, why, why come into this industry if this is what's going to happen to you? Why fly? Why why interview five, six, seven, eight times to get a job here? Which is what I've heard some people had to go through to get a job at Blizzard or Activision. You finally get the job. You fly out. You move your family out to California or wherever they're stationed because they don't want to do remote work anymore. And then in a matter of months, you lose your job. Yep. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but throwing one word like redundancies on this is not enough. Um, and it just, it, I know I'm going on and on, I'll give you the floor, but it's, it, what frustrates me is when people try to go out of their way to give you the business perspective. First of all, most of the people giving the business perspective aren't even in the business. So you have well, no business saying what the business perspective is when you don't know what you don't even know. So you have that problem going on. And then you have people talking, well, they had to rip the Band-Aid off. Well, might as well get it out of the way early. Okay, well, you, got, you were also the same people saying, this deal with ABK should go through because it's going to protect jobs. So which one is it? Were you expecting people to lose jobs or were you expecting Microsoft to save jobs? Because that didn't happen. And now people are acting like they didn't say what they said when they were trying to lobby for this deal. So I think there's a lot of weird cover up cover my ass i had my foot in my mouth but i don't want to acknowledge it energy going around when it comes to the impact of this and what people were saying a couple months ago about how good this deal was going to be for us as gamers for the people that work at activision blizzard king none of that is really coming true right now and i think it needs to be called out yeah and to and to your point the word redundancies uh you know i, I can see a doing something for redundancy's sake if you have, for example, a social media team all doing the same thing, right? Little things like that. I, I understand certain aspects of that. But to your point about losing game devs for a game studio, specifically for games like Call of Duty, uh, you know, Overwatch and all these things, it, does, it that is because what's the alternative? The alternative is to hire contractors where you're going to ramp up to make a new game and then those contractors are out of the job in two years because that's how the, that's how that's the alternative here they you lose people that you're paying pensions to that you're full-time employees of the company to then supplement that because you're gonna need those bodies you don't you're gonna need those bodies when you start ramping up to making more games and you're just gonna get contractors to come in because you're not gonna just rehire that workforce later on you you know because of quote quote redundancies or you can't I'll, or you can't burn out the team that you have left either right exactly and, 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 and that's, French culture right and if that's the alternative like you know the fact is, is that Xbox, Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard. 
that already had these toxic work uh, workplace issues, right? And they're not making it better by releasing thirty percent of your staff based on uh, based on the magic word that is redundancies, because that doesn't apply to game development. They, they, these companies are consistently and constantly always hiring to make uh, games for QA, and then once that game is out the door, they're firing these people left and right. Like it's the, the entire industry as a whole has a problem. But when you're looking at what Microsoft represents, a three trillion dollar company, and them coming in and acting through words that have been spoken through Phil Spencer, whether they're, they're his words or words that came from up top, acting like they're coming in here to save the day, you know, acting like they're going to come in here to make things better. And one of their first official orders of business is to release 1,900 people. And again, you got a lot of people saying, well, this is happening across the board. You know, people from, uh, from Twitch and all these people are losing jobs. I understand it's an industry issue, but how many of those people are backed by a $3 trillion company? None. That's that's the fact. And you have Microsoft here with all the money in the world making these decisions that are specifically and solely based off money. It just comes across as shitty. It comes across as grimy. It comes across as them almost feel i feel like they, they bought ips and, and this is what they're kind of they're, they're gonna st- they're gonna hold these ips but the work people people behind it those are just numbers that they've decided to put into a, an algorithm and it's spat out 30 percent. that's what you got to get rid of so it, it just it feels it feels wrong it feels bad and when you are someone who is has a has a platform and you've decided to not really talk about how this looks, how this feels, uh, and, and talk about Microsoft and what they can do, what they should do, but rather defend them and say, "Well, that's just business." You don't know. It. You don't know business. You don't know this business. And even if you did, there is the human element, compassion, and you've decided to forego that, bypass that completely to defend a company that doesn't give a flying fuck about you, even though they pretend they do. So this entire. Uh, thing is it doesn't make any sense especially from the people who are there to who are quote unquote the gatekeepers of xbox you 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 i would want the person who is a xbox fan to call out xbox when they need to be called out because that's how you hold them in check when you have your the people that you've uh put money into like xbox put money into these people they, they've showed up in their podcast if you have these people calling them out that's a powerful thing to do that, that's a that's a thing that you you go okay this person has their head on straight and they want to call out a company that they love because they're doing something that they don't love and that's just not what we're getting and so these conversations happening online are are are, are actually ridiculous and disrespectful to the people affected by what's happening here yeah you know you talked about something a second ago the human element and compassion and stuff like that and i and, and i almost heard some contrarian going well you that's naive because this is a three trillion dollar mega corporate this is a business and business is business here's why the human element to your point is 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 an accurate thing and compassion and empathy and all that here's why it's relevant to this conversation because that's the way xbox has wanted to present themselves this whole time yep part part of their public facing image when it comes to Xbox is to feel as little like a Microsoft company as humanly possible. Their shtick has been for, for years and years and years to come across as human, to come across as relatable, to come across as approachable, to come across as someone who speaks your language and understands the gamer. Um, this very pro-consumer kumbaya 
group of people um, and they feed their their Xbox ambassadors with a lot of rhetoric like this subconsciously where you you see a lot of a lot of the same people saying the same things the same ways um, all in an effort to really drive this little grassroots like element or undercurrent of the Xbox brand right so when we talk about the business air quotes we of course we understand that feelings can't be a part of the business me and pablo both know that what we're saying is that xbox is trying to be the cutthroat business while trying to present themselves as your best buddy and they just can't do that anymore and this i think especially shatters the illusion completely because now the humanization of Xbox is, is failed, in my opinion. All the cutesy slogans and the ones that, are, that barely even have any meaning as it is, power your dreams, and when everybody plays, we all win, it all just kind of falls on, it, it falls a bit flat now. It really does. Yeah. Because uh, in the end, none of that ever really mattered. None of that ever really drove Xbox at all. Because the people that you let go were were living that and embodying that themselves through the games they were making for us to enjoy. Yeah. So when we don't have them anymore, we don't have this this kumbaya vision and of of that they want us to believe that they have for themselves. It's gone. Yeah. And I think that's really important to to, to note here as well. Um, I want to. Do you mind if we talk about the Matt Booty quote now? I feel like that that kind of segues yeah. well into this. Do you want to walk yeah, us cool. through that real quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's get there. Uh, so yeah, Matt Booty um, made a bizarre statement uh, about the layoffs here. He basically <laughs> um, he said, uh, "quote um, enable uh, this will enable Blizzard and Xbox to deliver ambitious games for our players." on more platforms and in more places than ever before. So, why am I, I hearing I, 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 why am I hearing about what firing 2000 people is going to enable you to do right now? <laughs> I don't want to hear about that right now. I don't care if But it, it also I don't doesn't even, make sense. I don't care if the motherfucker's right. I this is not the time to try to tell me why letting go of 1900 people and affecting their lives, taking away their work visas, getting rid of their health care, putting their family situation and living situations in jeopardy is good because of what it's going to enable you to, to give uh, us as players. There's a time and a place for that. And I understand they probably, you know, they wanted to try to figure out a way to make it not sound like total gloom and doom. But that ain't the guy to send for this kind of thing anymore, man. I mean, at all. How, how, how are you going to say deliver ambitious games? And then say more, two more times, and say, uh, you know, for our players on more platforms and in more places than ever before. How do you get rid of the people who are actually in the dirt making the games? How are you going to now be able to do more with less? You because know, it's, it's going to enable them to give more work to less people. That's how. Because that's all it really is at the end of the day. Or, or, or like I said earlier, hire contractors that are going to be out of the job in two years. You know, that, that they're going to have to move their entire family to work at Activision because now they don't have that hybrid work uh, schedule anymore to work for two years knowing damn well you're going to have to get your ass out of there. Yeah. So it's, it, it, that is a bizarre 
that is a disconnected, that is out of touch quote if I've ever seen one. And Microsoft wants their cake and they only want to eat it too because they want to be the cutthroat business that they are because that's what they are. And also pretend they're your friend, like Marco said. They, they, they want to pretend that they're out here for you guys. And they can't be out here for me if they're out there, you know, firing 30% of their staff for reasons that uh, only amount to saving a couple of bucks, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I know these guys got paid well, but I mean, I'm not they're not out here getting rich off of this. You know, they're not out here becoming like Bobby Kotick multi millionaires, you know, so it's yeah, it, it, it's insane that he even decided that this was the time or Xbox brass decided this was the time for them to say this specifically. It's wild. It, yeah, it, it is. I don't believe in the money issue either because not only because it's Microsoft, but because, you know, a lot of people are, are keep keep citing that, oh, games are getting more expensive to make. Games aren't getting more expensive to make. Guess what is? Bad games are getting more expensive to make. Yeah. Right? Good games that do what they're supposed to do, they are they are you can't tell me that Spider Man costing as much as it did to make last year, selling as good as it did, isn't good. For PlayStation, you can't tell me that you know when GTA Six comes out that the million the, I don't know what ungodly number they spent on that game, oh, Jesus. But I can promise you it'll be worth it for them, right? The problem is is that Activision and Blizzard, separately and 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 uh, connected, they have spent a lot of money on bad stuff. You uh, you know this survival game that got canceled after six years of development. I'm sorry about the team that you know that got you know nuked because of that whole situation. It's unfortunate, but six years of development's not cheap either. And if you didn't have a clear vision on what that was supposed to be, that's on you. Overwatch Two is not what it needs to be, and it wasn't yeah. when it when it came out. It is a far cry from what Overwatch is supposed to be. That's their fault. It's not because oh the the cost of game development. No, you just made a bad game and you're not making money from it now because you made it so poorly that people your community numbers are 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 way smaller than they're supposed to be. That's on them. So this excuse of like oh well the the, the amount of cost and the amount of manpower it wouldn't it wouldn't hit you so hard Activision Blizzard if you were making games that people actually wanted to go play. That but, were not called Call of Duty. But let, let, let's go into the money of it. Like, even with all that shit that, that Activision has gone through, all the stuff that they've done, all the misses with Blizzard and all that stuff, they're still valued at a $74.28 billion company. They're the, 200, they're the 207th most valuable company in the world. In the world. And, and, and now that belongs to Xbox, who is, who is owned by Microsoft, who is worth $3 trillion. Like... You you tell I just don't I just don't get the mathematics I I and maybe I'm naive I don't get how a company who's valued at seventy four point two eight billion dollars now is backed by a three trillion dollar company couldn't afford to keep their employees like I don't I don't understand and 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 you can sit there and be like well you don't get the business sense of it or aspect of it probably you're probably right I probably don't understand that and there's probably some numbers to back that up but again that's internal numbers that they'll they'll write up anything to make it seem like they had a reason to do this but it, the math ain't mathing that that that's that's kind of where I'm at right now it just, and it there's nothing wrong any- with thinking like a consumer either we don't all to be able to understand Xbox should not come down to having business sense the yeah. problem, half the problem with Xbox is that the experience of having an Xbox has been so turbulent for the last 10 to 12 years 
that we have no choice but to do our research and figure out why the fuck it's getting so hard for Xbox to, to, to make sense to us sometimes. We have to do this business mindset thing almost by default because of how confusing they've been. Why, why did you make Xbox One like that? Why is it that you're buying all these companies up and then letting the team go? At some point, you, as a consumer, you're going to be curious. So we have to kind of think about the business side of it because it, the business side of it is affecting the consumer side of it. When I'm getting yeah. games that are of less and less quality compared to the, the, the traditional Blizzard quality. Blizzard used to be them. Back yeah. in the day, Blizzard was like untouchable. You couldn't fuck with them. League of Warcraft and all that, that glory, uh, those glory days of them are gone. That's gone. gone. All those people that made that magic happen are gone. So it's just, yeah, I, I'm feeling the effects of it as a consumer and I have no choice but to look at it from a business standpoint. And that's not fun. No. And it's a bad look as a consumer, as a fan of yeah. the product when you have to have an MBA to understand what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I gotta have a I gotta I gotta know theoretical training methods and business and investments that Not in order to, to kind of understand <laughs> to what's happening. Like that's crazy, bro. Like it, it's it, it the level of like bullshit that you have to kind of siphon uh, siphon through to to even oh. get to the truth of these things is is is, is it's it's incredible, and it's obfuscated on purpose. You yeah. we're never gonna know exactly why, because those numbers are still not gonna make any sense to me. Uh, the, the the end of the day here, and this is what people have to understand: if Microsoft can can save seven pennies by firing eight people, they're gonna do that immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're they're just not you got to understand, man, anywhere you work, especially if you work for a big corporation, you may think you're irreplaceable. You may be the shit at your job, but you're just a number and there's an algorithm. And if that algorithm tells you that number eight doesn't matter to us, you don't matter to them and you are gone. You know, mm. this bullshit. Well, what else we got to talk about as far as these layoffs go, man? Yeah, well, uh, more layoffs came. Uh, well, I'm not too, I'm not too clear on this one. I don't know if Mikey Barr got laid off or he resigned. Apparently but it looks he resigned. like it, he yeah. resigned. So Mikey Barr, who was the president of Blizzard, resigned from the position, and a new president will be named in the next few days. Uh, what do you, what do you take away from this? Is this kind of Mikey Barr running away from what he already knew was bullshit, or uh, is there something, is there something else here? Well, it's it's it sounds complicated because he's he's the guy that was also saying like you you would have to drag me out of Blizzard because of how much I love working here. But you hear things about oh you know some people didn't like working with him. He yeah. did try to get away from Xbox at one point, um, uh, you know, and and ended up at Blizzard. And then with the, when the acquisition happened, he was back there again. So it's hard to tell whether he actually really wanted to stick around in the first place to begin with, but. Again, you know, what I just mentioned earlier about the blizzard that we remember being gone. I mean, now they they're missing a whole ass president. And and it's like, okay, so there's more there's more going on here than just layoffs because of redundancies in in, in the bubble bursting. There is real issues going on with like the organizational structure here. We thought PlayStation had it rough with Jim Ryan leaving and what was going on behind that. Like it's looking weird. On the Xbox side, because you got Mikey Barr leaving, you had um, Pete Hines leaving Bethesda, or, yep. you know, and, and of course, you never know what's real or what's not. You had Bonnie Ross leaving 343, air quotes again, Joseph Staten's gone. 
why are all these big name people that are either presidents or, or you know, high level people with a lot of these these studios? Why are they why are they walking away from Xbox? Yeah. So, like, again, it, it can't just be a layoff issue. That's what I'm trying to drive home, because this is an example of that, too. There is some kind of conflict going on within Microsoft, Xbox and ABK. And, and whatever I, that issue is, is why this stuff is happening. It's not just about cost cutting. It's there's something else here. I find it disconcerting, to be absolutely honest with you, that Phil Spencer has been so vocal in the past, and he has been so quiet lately. Yeah. You know, with he's the, literally with the lurking the reset era thread. That's all yeah. we've seen him do. Like he, like think about it. He, like we've had the report about uh, games coming, uh, Xbox games coming, going third party. Jez also had a report saying that he's now heard the same, and it's going to be more than one game that's coming to third party. It's a new uh, thing he had out, and we got nothing from that. We got this huge thing, and there's been some certain retweets that's been done, but not that that super honest Phil sitting in front of the camera. None of that. He's, he's just been kind of uh, MIA. So I, I feel like. This is starting from the top. I think that there's, I think that the CEOs like um, of, of Microsoft and the and the top brass there, they have a different vision for Microsoft. This is just me speculating. I think that Xbox is is. I know that Phil Spencer is the CEO or president of Xbox, but I do feel like there are certain things that are going on above his pay grade. He may not agree with them. We don't know what his actual sentiments are, but there's there's a, there's weird when the the the, the person's been the most vocal about the the xbox currently has been what satya natal the ceo of microsoft he's yeah yeah, he's the guy been been talking the most about what what the plans are and 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 we have the the people that we've always heard from sarah bond you know phil spencer um aaron greenberg pretty much silent here not not really talking and saying anything so there's definitely something happening that we will probably find out you know jason schreier's of the world will, will, will end up with the big story somehow but uh, there's some stuff happening, and they got to figure that out because it is affecting their teams, which in turn is affecting us, the consumer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I know I, I brought up uh, Jess, uh, Jess Corden from Windows Central, but he had a uh, some more information uh, on everything that's happening. He, uh, he said that Microsoft is also going to shut down multiple departments that are responsible for bringing Xbox games to physical discs for retailers, <clears throat> which kind of leads us to believe that Microsoft could be expediting a digital-only future sooner rather than later. How, how do you feel of this no, coming you mean, on the heels you of this? You mean adorably all digital, because <laughs> it's adorable. Yeah. That's oh, that's their, right. That's right. That's, that's, that's a quote. Uh-huh. Um, Delicious. <laughs> this is so cute. Um, man, Just look. Just want to eat it all up. Man, look, look. Um, this is why I was frustrated about the whole third party rumors because it's like okay you're not talking about that now we're hearing we heard that like oh walmart is like getting rid of a bunch of like starfield hard copies like you know like i don't know setting them on fire or some shit i don't know what they're doing and we're seeing more and more you know gift cards and digital cards on shelves for xbox instead of actual discs and we still have no idea whether this is actually a part of their strategy or not until we heard this news about the layoffs. This is what I like. Why are we, why do we have to find out what their direction is going to be? <coughs> excuse me, by, by hearing about who they fired, 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's already bad enough that like you're moving away from physical discs. That's I mean, I know we all think we're heading towards that future and everybody can't wait to tell you that that's inevitable. I agree to all 7 million of you that always say that it's inevitable. It is inevitable, but did you expect it right now? Did you expect this to happen now? Like we just found out Hellblade 2 is going to be digital only. That sounds like that's probably going to be the the first domino to drop in what will likely be um, a, probably a more permanent situation now. Um, I think this is huge. I think this is huge for a couple of reasons. They, they make it digital only. So now your only two choices of getting the game that you want, if it's first party, is if you either get it a la carte or you subscribe to Game Pass. Yeah. There is no longer the third option that you're used to having of buying the disc... You can trade it in if you're done with it. You can lend it to a friend if they want to try it. That's over in 2024. Yeah, potentially. That's... Like that's kind of spooky, and 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 to especially have no official messaging around that to tell me what you're doing and to set my expectations of you. I have to find out like this, and I have to speculate. I'm tired of speculating. I'm tired of this, like this way of having to connect these dots that, well, Microsoft said this in an interview in 2022, and they did this with these layoffs. But then Satya said this in 2023. Why do I need a diagram like it's a fucking mind place in Alan Wake 2? I'll say just to figure out what the hell your strategy is. So yeah. like it's it's scary from a, a standpoint of losing physical disc. It's it's weird from a standpoint of getting no official messaging about this this change of of strategy, which is pretty seismic. Uh, yeah. it's just weird all around, dude. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And there was a a report out by Matt uh, Piscatella. Uh, he's an analyst for Circano. He said that Xbox in the last few years is, I think, less than, where a little bit less than ten percent of their sales have come from physical uh, releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's that's Game Pass, really. You know, when, when you look at it. So, <clears throat> I think Microsoft has always fancied themselves as a company that is on top of trends. <clears throat> Excuse me. I know that uh, Best Buy has just recently gotten rid of all their physical films on, on that that were in stores. So they, this is a trend that, like Marco said, we know is happening. Some people are expediting, moving a lot quicker than others. But since Microsoft has always fancied themselves to be on top of trends, I think that they're moving on this a lot quicker than um, than we would expect. However, I will say I will say something that is concerning to, to the Xbox brand. All right, so Microsoft is is worth $3 trillion, right? Xbox almost feels like a thorn on Xbox's side, on Microsoft's side because of everything that they are seemingly doing. Getting rid of employees, calling it redundancies, saving money, and now not trying to to put money into printing out physical disks. Are they... is it is it me or does it feel like is Microsoft kind of thinking all right so we're gonna spend billions of dollars on these companies we're gonna have to completely cut a lot of pro- a lot of other things because we don't want to be in the business at this rate at this m- amount of money with so much money going out so the whole kind of uh, this is all full circle back to the whole third party stuff is mm-hmm. like is Microsoft really doing this because they are truly trying to get away from being a traditional console manufacturer and just make 
the most amount of money with the least amount of 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 having to to spend that money. So mm. this just kind of is another notch on that on that check where it's like, okay, they're moving so fast on not uh, having physical copies out there and kind of moving to digital only. It's like another thing that they're cutting cost on. Like, is 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 Microsoft actually dying? You know, in that in that in that sense where they're they're pivoting hard on all these things because they're trying to recontextualize xbox in a certain way so there's just a lot of stuff happening when you do see these things like this happen you're like something like you said there's something more happening here it's less about being oh digital only because that's the future digital only because it's cheaper you know what i mean like oh we're cutting staff because of redundancies no because you're trying to save money like it's it's just weird it's just a lot of weird shit happening and we have no clarity from a company that has always said that they were very straightforward with their consumer and this is the thing that they're not doing they're moving in the shadows except everybody's seeing those movements and we get no clarification on any of it so it's 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 weird times right now oh man yeah, that's a good, those are great points. I mean, it, it, there's definitely there is some crescendo to all of these weird things that I think will we're going to find out about it by the end of the year, whether they announce it in some capacity or not. We're gonna we're gonna understand this strategy, and I think you're right. It is going to be very different, um, and and it's going to be very eye opening. I think as well. Yeah. When they finally yeah. decide to actually kind of lift the veil some way or another, but yeah. Yeah, and I wouldn't be at this point like couple couple of months ago. You tell me. And this might be extremist. You might tell me Microsoft is getting out of the console business. You told me that a couple months ago. I would be like, no, no way. They sold 30, 30 million consoles. That's not, It's third place, but still 30 million consoles they sold. Now, if you were to tell me today, hey, they might be getting the console business as, as we know it. A lot of these moves just point to that. Honestly. You know what they I mean? They just want to be they, for the streets. They want to be for they, the streets. <laughs> They do. They're pointing to, to that side. It just that's what it feels they like. They want to be multi-platform. It's in Matt Booty's quote. We want yeah. to deliver ambitious games for our players on more platforms. Well, what the fuck other platform are you talking about that ain't at Xbox and PC? You're and, already there. And, so what and other ones? At, you're talking about PlayStation and Nintendo. You want yeah. to be everywhere. That's and look at already what's happening with the development of Perfect Dark, where they have a whole other studio that they don't own working on that game as well. So it's like. You, you can hire more people. Okay, so you're not hiring. So you're actually contracting an entire different company that you're that you're you don't own them to help you make your game. It's like they they've been doing this for a while now, but now it's getting aggressive. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, kind of last few points here is uh, just to to kind of cap off everything that people who've lost their jobs here. Uh, it looks like Activision Blizzard customer service division, their marketing team, and community managers have also gotten laid off. Marco, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, look, Xbox's uh, customer care is terrible. Uh, I've heard ABK's customer service was pretty good. Guess we won't be seeing any more of that good customer service anymore. Um, that's horrible. Uh, customer service uh, departments, I think just in, in terms of the corporate world, they're never given as much respect as they're due. Um, and that's just it's just sad to see it happen again here. I think they're probably going to use a lot of AI solutions, air quote solutions, to uh, drive customer service moving forward um, and really try to automate processes instead of, you know, again, having that human element of people who can listen and understand your situation in better detail. I think that's going away, which is going to be horrible. Uh, mm -hmm. marketing teams great so now you don't have enough people that are going to help advertise uh, Xbox as well or their games as well as they could have that's that that's gonna work out great um, 
sarcasm alert. I mean, it, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, it's already bad enough you got a bunch of gobbledygook slogans that make no sense. It's already bad enough people have called out your marketing problems in the past. Now you're, you're, you're getting people out that can actually help resolve some of those issues and, and try to save some of your image, which is floundering, and you're getting rid of them. That's great. Community managers, people that talk to the gamer. Right. Sorry, you got to go. Like, why? What, what are we doing so, here? So let, let, okay, let, let's, let's kind of talk about the, 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 the key word here. Once again, redundancies. If I have two people doing the same job, one of them does it better and one of them does it worse, and they're redundant because they're doing the same, who am I going to get rid of? The team that does a better job of it, or the guy, or the per- the team that does a worse job at it. So the fact that they're talking about redundancies, but they get rid of the team that apparently has a better structure when it comes to their customer service department. How does that make sense? So once again, you talk to me about redundancies and business know-how. On a surface level, you keep the the, the dude doing the better job. <laughs> Not if they make the most money, though, Pablo. But that's the problem. Why do they do a better job? Because they probably make more money and they have a better structure. They're probably in-house. Tech is probably a lot better to kind of be able to, to kind of go through the complaints and whatnot. That's probably expensive. That software is probably really hard to keep up. All that stuff. So don't talk to me about redundancies on a business. Sense. This is all money specific. All mm-hmm. of it. And there's no humanity attached to this at all. There's none of it. It's all, fuck you. You're good at your job, but you make too much money. We don't need you. So yeah. let's just add to that, to, that, to that whole thing where we don't talk about business when you're, we're, we're literally seeing a bad business decision. We might be seeing a good money decision, mm-hmm. saving more money, but we're literally seeing a bad business decision happen right before our eyes. Absolutely. And yet, and yet, uh, we, we're going to talk about redundancies and Microsoft is a business and they do what they know what they're doing. Yeah, they know what they're doing. They're saving money and they don't give a fuck about the people who are, they have to literally upheave their entire life and change their entire life because they decided to, you know, we don't need you anymore. Months after you force them to come back into the office, meaning they have to move their families to California, which is probably one of the most expensive oh my uh, God, yeah. uh, countries, uh, states in the world. And, uh, you know, and now they're shit out of luck. Look. I will say, they do have severance. They're not like getting kicked out to the street, but they are losing their their jobs. They are losing their livelihood. They are losing the reason why they are in that state. So, you know, because I've seen a lot of people like they get good severance, they have good medical, all that stuff for the next six months. It doesn't matter because we're talking about a lifetime here, a a career, and and we're going to be okay with it because six months of that is okay for them Mm -hmm. in terms of not having to work and getting paid. Fuck out of here. Yeah, I mean, look, I, we, we got to move on here, but I think to close for me, um, man, that direct feels like a distant memory right now. It really does. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the, I remember like many podcasts ago, I called them the Dallas Cowboys of the gaming industry. They sure are, man. <laughs> just when you think they got it, just when you think they're coming back, they're coming back strong, they got their, they're stacked, they're ready to go. They just wait. They will do something to screw themselves over and be another accident waiting to happen. Something (laughs) will, what can go wrong will go wrong. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith. It just happens. And it's like, at some point, this has got to stop. Can we please celebrate something that you do well just once? And I didn't even love the direct, but I thought it was okay. And I'm like, let me kind of just 
have that for a while before you do something like this right afterwards to make this worse. It's so and, ridiculous, dude. It's and you ridiculous. put things in perspective because it's like for every, you know, everything they do that's good, it's always hampered by something bad. You know, oh, finally, first party games are coming out and then they get hit. This year was supposed to be the year where they're going to release a whole bunch of first party games and, and, and finally give you the fruits of their labor and they're out here uh, firing staff and, and doing weird moves. Yeah. It kind of almost makes you appreciate like Sony a little bit more where it's like, okay, they might not have a lot of games coming in the next two years, like last year and this year, but when they're ready to, 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 to show out, you know that their games are going to be good and you know that it's not followed by th- this insanity. Now, obviously, no, they do, they do layoffs. Also- Let's they do real. layoffs. Yeah, they I do. was gonna say. Obviously, Sony does that does have layoffs, and they and they and they have to go through some stuff too, and it's equally as bad. But I don't. I I don't they see don't, Sony. They don't pretend to be my friend, Pablo. Yeah, and I also don't see Sony uh, busting out eighty billion dollars for a company and then saying, "Oh, we got to save money." Yeah, like, it's like, uh, man. Speaking of which. That's, that's it's like buying them a fucking. It's like living in a beautiful home and buying a McLaren and then living in a mobile home because you can't. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Out of McLaren. If you, if, if you can't, if you can't afford it, like within the, the purview of what you wanted to spend, then don't do it. Because you know who's gonna suffer? Your family. They're living a double wide, and you're Not a double and you're driving, wide. <laughs> and you're driving around in a nice car. Come on, man. I thought you said you were sick. You didn't say you were sick in the head. <laughs> look, look, man. Here's the thing, and this is the last thing I'm gonna say. This is more towards the Xbox-centric personalities out there. They know who they are. Um, stop making it your responsibility to explain Xbox. You're it's putting, embarrassing. You're doing their job for them, and you don't even know it, and you don't even care. And it's, it's weird. It's, it's goofy behavior to me. Your yeah. job is not to take this news and sit down in front of your computer before you go on stream or whatever, or on live or whatever you're doing and think of the best way to kind of make this make sense for Microsoft. It's not your job to do that. That's why half the people out there who are pro Xbox or a part of the ambassador program are all reading from the, the exact same script, regurgitating the same points they're hearing the other people make. At some point, like I said earlier, reciting the same reasons are not enough. And, and at some point, you're going to have to figure out as an Xbox personality where your bottom line is with how you rep Xbox and what you're going to stand for and not stand for. It's easy to say, oh, I'd never love layoffs. Who loves seeing people get laid off? Of course, nobody does. Nobody's, nobody's saying that you don't care, but people are expecting a little bit more criticism to be levied against Xbox to make them feel accountable like they should be instead of giving them PR for them. You're literally helping them test out what the best messaging is so that the next time we do hear Phil Spencer talk about what's going on, he's going to pluck exactly what you guys said as his reason. So since everybody's saying redundancies, guess what you're going to hear Phil say next time we hear about this layoff situation? Well, you know, redundancies because he knows, oh, well, that went over the best. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make it. Make it his responsibility to come up with the answers and the reasons. Don't make it yours. Because all you guys end up doing is looking like shills. You guys look like you can't, you can, you see no evil, hear no evil, and speak no evil about Xbox. And, and, and that does make you biased. It, there's such a thing as being able to be an Xbox fan without being an Xbox fanboy. And this is fanboy behavior when you guys are more trying to defend and, and contextualize what's happening instead of 
being upset about it and letting and letting Xbox hear that more than your excuses for them. I think that's yeah. important. So, yep, I agree. Goofy. Um, but let's move on. This actually leads pretty decently into the next uh, news item we have here. Um, in a recent interview, Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida discussed the future of their gaming division and how PlayStation will evolve in the years to come. Now, Yoshida stated that Sony's main focus will continue to revolve around PlayStation hardware, stating, quote, PlayStation will remain our core product, end quote, and went on to say, quote, we will expand our gaming experiences to PC, mobile, and cloud. And as simple as that, Pablo, we have clarity. PlayStation consoles are here to stay. PlayStation games won't come to rival consoles. And PlayStation will expand to PC, mobile, and cloud, and nowhere else. So... Uh, go figure, no muss, no fuss. That's the situation with PlayStation. And so first, I think I want to, you know, obviously have us share our takes on their vision for PlayStation, especially since this shut down a lot of the PlayStation is dying uh, propaganda and console war circles. But I also want to pull Xbox into this conversation again and ask the question, why hasn't anyone from Xbox offered up clarity like Sony just did here? And is it time for them to open up? So take it away. <clears throat> well, it's, 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 it's been time for Xbox to open up. Here's the reason why they haven't is I don't think they know. I don't think they know the, 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 the gravity of how they don't know the, the, ex, the extent of how many games are going to come out to different consoles. They don't know what exactly their plan is. They just don't know. I, I, I would really, I, I find it hard to believe all the discourse happening online that Xbox has a plan ready to go and that they ha- haven't said anything. You know, at this point, I just believe that they're not sure as to what's happening. I do think there's strife happening between Microsoft and Xbox, and they're trying to find a happy medium. And that's why we they've been on kind of quiet, because I, I don't think they know. And that's not good. That's not a good thing. That's actually that's actually makes it worse, because if they if, if they don't have a plan in place, then like, man, what are we doing here? Um, that's kind of where my take on, on why Xbox hasn't. And, and Sony, Sony basically just reaffirmed what they've always done. You know, Sony is at the very least, like Marco, you said uh, previously, they're not trying to be your friend. And so they're very matter of fact. This is what we're doing, and this is what's happening. And I think that that's good to, to hear every once in a while. I think you have to kind of, amongst the conversations happening within the console world, it's good to reaffirm and tell you, your consumers, by the way, business as usual you know mm-hmm. like it th- and that's a good thing to do which i feel that that goes a long way now does that mean that 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 later on sony can't change their mind no that doesn't mean that but for the immediate future it, in these conversations happening right now it's good to have a very uh, that peace of mind that 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 clarity and i think it's a very shrewd move on on sony to to go out there and 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 be very specific about these things and be mm-hmm. like hey by the way i know the other guys are kind of all over the place this is what we're doing and that goes a very very long way and i think that's that 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 just goes to show what sony has in terms of their plans that at the very least is there's there's there is one Mm-hmm. Uh, which is good, and that they're 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 still following that plan to, to the T, which is which is great because they've had a lot of issues with leadership with Jim Ryan. A lot of questions have come. A lot of the bleed over effect of the Microsoft conversations have kind of uh, 
gone on to PlayStation, like, well, PlayStation doesn't have as much money as Xbox. So if Xbox is struggling, PlayStation must be struggling. They must be almost out of business. They're a couple of years away from, from bleeding out and, and filing bankruptcy. Like, all these conjecture and all this bullshit made up based on speculation to begin with. I'm glad that X, uh, that Sony decided to do this. And it's good to know that, at the very least, their plan is still in full effect, and that's what they're going with. So, yeah. How about you, Marco? Yeah, great points. Um, you know, it's funny because the, the contrast here between um, Mr. Yoshida's statement versus the non-statements from Xbox, it, it gives me a lot of that same energy as when they were like, this is how you share a game on PlayStation 4. Because uh -huh. they knew, like, <laughs> Xbox doesn't have it together over there right now, but here we do. And so I thought that the really, like, short, sweet, quaint, direct-to-the-point answer about the future of PlayStation was... I think that was intentional. I think that a lot of that was like, hey, it's kind of messy over there, but we know what we're doing over here. And it, I, I actually find it to be very refreshing uh, for the same yeah. reasons as you mentioned. I think the peace of mind and the security of knowing exactly what is and is not going to happen um, with the PlayStation brand is is very very refreshing to hear. Yeah. Um, I think that it, the the direct nature of the answer. This is what's not going to happen. We're not. Our games are going to stay here. PC, mobile, and on cloud, and that's it. I think that answered a lot of questions that Xbox is not answering it completely about third party stuff that they're doing with putting their games on other consoles. I think that shows that there is some kind of vision that that there is there is a sense of alignment in PlayStation that even I'll admit I didn't I wasn't sure if they had when they got rid of Jim Ryan last year but it seems yeah. like they have figured out what their priorities are before they fill in the next CEO spot and so that person now who's going to come in and they're going to have a similar mantra to what uh Yoshida just said right which right. I think is really really super important um because you want to have that that synergy and, and that understanding organizationally that no, we're not going there. We're not doing that. Maybe we'll change that if, if you know, the tides turn a certain way, but no, we're staying here in this lane and this is where we're going. And I think that means something. That's not the way I feel about Xbox right now. And I do think that you know, you're right earlier when you said, Oh, you know, Satya and Phil and all these different forces, these, these, the amount of cooks in the kitchen, I think yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. becoming super problematic for Xbox when it comes to this kind of thing. It's funny because I'm thinking about it now, and Phil is the head of Xbox, but uh, you know uh, Satya Nadella is the CEO of Microsoft, right? He he's the boss of everybody. He's everybody's, yeah. Yeah, so I would almost argue and say Xbox is already giving you what they're going to do. Because he literally said, uh, you know, we have, what did he say here? Activision, I think, will have a chance of being a good publisher, quite frankly, on Sony, Nintendo, PC, and Xbox. And right. there's been other examples of him saying it's going to be multi-platform or other things. So I, I almost feel like some Xbox people are just in denial. Like, the, yeah. Phil's, Phil's boss just told you what they're, they're, they're trying to do here. Yeah, so they're, they're telling you but, without telling you that you're not the priority anymore. Now they're for the yeah, seats. yeah, exactly. But it's good that Sony is very specific about what they're doing with their consoles, and it's the the right person saying it. So, right, uh, man. But yeah, I'm not saying PlayStation is perfect, but I, you know, again, that clarity of direction, I think, as a business, does pay off on a consumer level because you get you, you understand why you're buying a PlayStation. 
And that's why part of the reason why they sell so damn well is you know what you're going to get and you know what you're not going to get when you get a PlayStation. Yeah. Xbox is trying to be everything for everybody and you end up being nothing for, for, for nobody in, the, in yeah. the process of doing that. Um, and it, it's just it's just weird. And that's and that's the main issue. I think I think uh, PlayStation is 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 very much trying to still be a the consoles. You know, PlayStation is trying to just sell consoles and and and, and release good games, and Xbox is tr- trying to be everything under the sun. Yeah, uh, within that space. That's Cloud, why I respect. Like when, that's why I respect. In the same interview, he was also like, "Yeah, I mean, we're still not going to do the putting our first party games on our subscription." You know, and that and that got controversy because of the way he described, like you know how people only play one game at a time, sort of thing. And it, you know, it was a weird quote that I don't think a lot of people you know loved hearing. But again, I understand that, and I respect the fact that at least he's saying, "Look, this is not what we're going to do." So if yeah, that's if that's I, important just, to you as a consumer, we don't have that for you. Just letting you know, you know, yeah. I, I like that. It was I I, I agree, with that, but it was just a weird way of saying that because they already have PlayStation Plus, where they have hundreds of games that people play all the time. So it's like the one people only play one game at a time. So that's why we're doing this. Is like you already have a uh, a subscription service with tiers with hundreds of games. Mm. So your your example doesn't make sense even for your company, but you are definitely trying to say like you know we don't expect Game Pass. He's on, saying that if you want to be a subscription only gamer, this is not the place for you. We have makes something sense for you in in PS Plus's game library, but we don't. We're we're never going to be buy the console, subscribe, and then you have everything you need. We're just never going to be that. Right, right, right. Yeah, he he um, clearly uh, describing their differences between Xbox and right. PlayStation, and people right. don't seem to mind because the console is outselling, outpacing. You name it. At this well, point. It, it ain't even about minding. It's 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 if you like those games, yeah. if you like Uncharted, Last of Us, Spider Man, if you like those games, and the only way you can get them is by buying them, then mm-hmm. it is what it is. I, I I I like I we talked about the the delusional shit that gamers say about I'd rather pay for my games. Nobody rather play for the games, but if that's the only way you can get them, then that's what you got to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, look, man, PlayStation uh, did get a little bit of uh, some. some Kind of some backlash, uh, though, uh, this past week, because uh, it was reported that Sony will be announcing a remake of Until Dawn, the interactive horror game made by Supermassive Games, which launched on PS4 back in 2015. Uh, now, the rumors suggest that Until Dawn will also be coming to the big screen with a game-to-film adaptation in the not-too-distant future as well. But as I said at the top of this, the rumor seems to have kind of been met with some backlash, as many gamers believe that Sony, uh, or maybe even the industry at large, is becoming too reliant on remakes and remasters. But uh, the question is, do we agree? Uh, Pablo, do you think that remakes are wearing out their welcome, in your opinion, or do you have a different point of view? No, they're not wearing out their welcome if they're good. I mean, there's if a remake comes out and it's bad, then that that remake sucks. But that's <clears throat> the fact that we got Resident Evil Four, you know, Final Fantasy is doing their own thing, and 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 the Last of Us remake, they did well for Sony. I mean, we have to understand. Let, let, let's 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 uh, use that same energy. PlayStation is a business. They release a TV show, and they release a remake of a game, and that game sold really well because of the TV show. There was that synergy between those two things. Why not do it again with Until Dawn? Like, come on, let let let's let's be realistic. Let's be fair across the board. Is there too many remakes or remasters? Maybe is that a, a bad thing? No, because a lot of them are really good. 
you know, we're getting to experience these games all over again. These classic games, Dead Space, all these great games. Uh, so I don't think that the industry is becoming too reliant on them. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think this is a, a, a way of criticizing Sony uh, for doing something that makes sense, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't think we've reached the level where it would be a problem if one year all we get are remakes, you know, like out of like the, the 150 great games of the year, 75% of them are remakes. Okay. Then we're, we're, we're in a world of trouble, but you know, it's, it's not that serious guys. It, it, it isn't that serious. I don't think it's an issue at all. Marco. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I, I think if the question is, you know, is, is remakes wearing out their welcome? Is there a reason to be sick of remakes? I, I, I have to agree with you on this one. I think that when you look at, PlayStation strategy, whether people like it or not, remakes are part of the strategy of PlayStation. And and half the reason why that is is because they happen to have a very long and prestigious catalog of of games and franchises throughout their very uh, decorated history that people love, that people miss, and that people want to experience again. And whether that comes in the form of remakes of recent games or remakes from games from forever ago doesn't really matter. What matters is that they they prioritize their their history and their back catalog in a way that I think I actually find more commendable than annoying. Um, I agreed. No one's making anybody buy a remake if you don't want one. You've never no one has ever bought a video game they didn't want. I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. Unless, I mean, unless you want to get technical and say you bought something for someone else, whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, if you're buying, <laughs> you've never bought a game for yourself that you didn't want, right? Right. You never, ah, I don't want to play this. Uh, fine, I'll buy the remake of The Last of Us Part 1 for $70. You didn't have to do that. So, again, it, it, it really comes down to this, uh, and I said this uh, recently, this feeling gamers have of feeling like they're forced to do certain things that they're not being forced to do at all. If you don't like remakes, then don't buy them. The problem is, is that for as many people griping about remakes, it sure seems to be at the top of the sales charts when they come out. Last of Us Part 1 sold well. It did. Really? And well. from what I've heard so far about how uh, this Part 2 remaster is doing in, uh, from, in certain regions, particularly Europe, uh, it's selling. I think it outsold, um, what was the game that came out close to it? it, it, it oh, Prince of Persia. Um, I mean, it's outselling new games. So, like, there's clearly a demand for them. And Sony is doing what I think is well within their right of, of honoring that demand and meeting that demand with putting out remake and remaster content it just is what it is and you make an excellent point like do we want to see a chrono cross remake or do you want to see a fusion frenzy remake like you know they have like these incredible titles from their backlog from many many years ago that they can remake and reintroduce them to to new audiences you know and then satisfy hopefully satisfy fans of, of that genre but play People like Xbox, and I don't mean to bring it back it's, to them. But it really just it, is Xbox. They Nintendo don't have. Does this too. They don't. They don't have the the, don't. the the catalog. Like I said, you roll the remaking Fusion Frenzy. Woo! Like yeah, come you on, could probably man. say like, Gears would benefit. You could say maybe some maybe maybe Fable. I don't know. Maybe the but, Fables. But, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go back. You know, that's what I'm to, doing, and I can't yeah, think of very many examples. But I'm going to. But I'm going like PlayStation One, Chrono Trigger. Oh yeah. Oh Chrono Cross, and then I'm going Xbox OG. And I'm picking out an obscure title, sure, but it's like, 
Yeah. There's there's no the, the, just because X, Xbox doesn't do it, it doesn't mean that PlayStation Links is the relying. Time like, what do we talk? Like, what? What do yeah, you? Yeah. There's no demand for remakes on Xbox in the first place. That's why you don't get them over there. So when people say, "Oh, well, at least over here we get original games," I mean, you kind of need them, man. You have to. You got to build that library, buddy. You need that. You need that. You need to build a legacy. You can barely keep Halo in good shape. You know. So like, no, I mean, you really you're struggling to do that. So like, yeah, I mean, focus on new IP, but don't act like it's because you want to be super duper creative. It's because you kind of have to. You don't have enough to kind of tap back into like Nintendo does. That's why Nintendo, for as much as they, they, they great me and, you know, I, I was very vocal about the direct last year when they were kind of scraping the bottom of the bin with all the remakes and remasters of their, you know, the Mario RPG is getting coming back and Mario versus Donkey Kong's coming back. I'm like, damn. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but I mean, dog, they have the legacy for that. And they and why why not? Why not bring back that franchise? Why not remaster Paper Mario or the next uh, or Luigi's Mansion 2 or whatever? Because those games matter to people and they left a, an impression over time that makes people want to relive them and experience them again. Being able to remake something is actually more of a privilege than it is like this annoying strategy. You have to have you know, you have to have games that people would want to ask for a remake for to get them, right? And I think yeah. PlayStation and Nintendo have that through their catalogs, and I think Xbox has a lot of catching up to do in that regard. So I think there's and nothing the, wrong with it, personally. No, and the whole conversation of, well, th they're making remakes and remasters instead of making new IP, or because they made a remaster or a remake, they didn't get to work on the... That's all a sack of bull Like, that's all bullshit. Like, it's, look at Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog released, what, The Last of Us 2 in 2020? You know what I mean? And, and then they released... And yeah, and then Uncharted, and then they did a whole bunch of like these remakes and remasters, only within four years. Like it's it's we're waiting six seven years for some of these people to make games, and they get nothing. Mm -hmm. Like we, we we got nothing from uh from Sucker Punch for like six years, and we finally get something. It's been it's about to be five years. We don't know what they're doing next. But if they would have released remakes and remasters, you're like it's 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 the 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 argument doesn't make any sense because it, it's they're there to make some money. They got these. Uh, they got the, the ability to do that, and so they they'll do it. You know, so it's it's a silly thing to say that this is. Yeah, this is impeding a new IP. No, it's not. They're doing whatever they want to do, whatever's going to make them their, the money for in order to 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 kind of make money to to, to uh, finance what they're gonna do next. Like it's like let these people do their work. Like it's it's ridiculous mm -hmm. to think that you think because they didn't make the if they didn't if they didn't do the Last of Us remake that we would have been playing the Last of Us three right now. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean they're making original IPs. They're making sequels to the games that you like from them. And they're making remakes. That's kind of their trifecta. They have new IP, sequels, and remakes. That's what PlayStation does. If again, if you don't like it, I'm not saying that that's a bad that's a bad look for 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 you guys. That just means that maybe PlayStation doesn't do enough original work that that speaks to you, and maybe Xbox is a better fit. I play the hell out of my Xbox. I love my Xbox, and you know I look forward to those new experiences just as much as everybody else does. I'm really intrigued about South of Midnight. I'm really intrigued about Clockwork Revolution, but th that's that's not what PlayStation is about. It's about sequels, new IP. And remakes, and that's and what, that's their trinity, and it works for them, and it's successful, and people want those games. So, eh. and look, and be realistic. Xbox's uh, new IP are through necessity because if if that's Clockwork Revolution, yeah. yeah, if Clockwork Revolution is a is a is a hit, we're gonna get a sequel. 
if exactly you know if if, if all their new ips are hits we're gonna get a sequel i mean we're, we're about to do what gear six is next like they're not above making sequels and things of that sort we you know we, we got the halo collection we got they do the same thing when they can you know if mm-hmm. they could they would is, is basically the, the whole thing here and yeah. people do struggle with that sentence maybe it's not for you they, they can't comprehend that they can't understand that this isn't for me like it's not for you if this if if you have a problem with that then don't it's not it's not your thing go to go to a different mm-hmm. console do that so yeah man people have been bugging out here lately Man, that's crazy. I it's mean, entitled. It's, Everything that releases has to be for me or it's bullshit it is like their whole mindset. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at a certain point, it's not about the consoles being enough for not enough for you. It's about you because, I mean, the games yeah. are coming. The games are coming. I mean, you know, wherever you call home as a gamer, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, wherever. I mean, a lot of games to play. If yep. you're mad that they're not do, doing enough things for your specific taste, that's a you problem at a certain point. So I think that- I, I understand when people say they're sick of remakes in, in a context of like, oh, it's been a while since we've seen some new stuff from PlayStation. And it just feels like we're kind of getting a lot of remake energy first. I understand that from a perspective of like, man, I really wish I knew more about what they were working on. But it, when you when you when you over-exaggerated into remake shit, just a remake problem in the industry. It's not a problem no. in the industry. Calm down. Pump the brakes. You know what I mean? It's all that. It's like that fantasy booking. Like, when when the thing that you thought was going to happen doesn't happen, it's like, it's bullshit. Like, no, it's not. You literally made this up in your head. Like, mm-hmm. just because their next game or their next thing isn't what you wanted doesn't mean that that's a problem. Yeah. Like, People are so self, so self entitled. Ridiculous. Well, if we didn't piss Ridiculous. off people that are sick of remakes, uh, and you made it this far, you like what you're hearing, for the most part, uh, consider subscribing to our show. Uh, look, we we are not afraid to have uh, uncomfortable conversations, as you have no doubt heard throughout this episode so far. Uh, we do keep it light, though. Normally, we, we're a lot we're a lot lighter than this, but we had to kind of talk about some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, so don't worry. This we're, we're like the like a dragon of the gaming podcast space. <laughs> we know when to be serious and we know when to be silly. Um, so if you like the sound of that, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google other streaming services we put audio versions of the show up on youtube as well if you tend to go there for podcasting uh and wherever you are uh whether it's leaving a thumbs up or leaving a five-star review uh taking a couple seconds to say some nice things for us and give a positive score for our show really does pay off in dividends as far as uh, bringing more listeners like yourself to us uh, who might be looking for an alternative to what else is out there uh people who may also be sick of hearing about redundancies um so uh with that being said uh let's uh let's shake off the bullshit from the news this week let's have a little fun with the main event of the show which is up next that's called the checkpoint chat it's time for the checkpoint chat all right man so uh in keeping with tradition for cool down time uh with every new year that comes we uh tend to go 10 back 10 years back into the past to revisit the games from a decade prior uh to revisit them and re-rank them uh from our least favorites to our favorites and so we've done the same thing this year as we are going to be revealing our top 10 favorite games of 2014 in 2024 uh so uh 
pretty self-explanatory premise there. We have each compiled our list of top 10 games. Uh, we'll be going round robin to uh, talk about what they are, kind of relive what made those games so special, and, and, and also why we see them as being so great uh, 10 years later with hindsight in mind. Uh, and then we'll kind of see where we sort of align and, and, and uh, misalign uh, in terms of our opinions here, but, uh, yeah, an interesting year to kind of go back and reflect on Pablo. Um, yeah, it, this was, um, it was kind of a tough one coming up with lists of, of, of games that I, I really loved from this year, but I got there and, uh, I think, uh, we all have some interesting conversations to have as we go here, but I'll go ahead and kick it over to you first, Pablo. What is your 10th favorite game of 2014, 10 years later? Yeah, this is a game I talked about a couple of episodes ago when we talked about gems, and that's Papers, Please. Uh, you know, that's that puzzle simulation game where you play mm. as a, uh immigration inspector at the border where you have to catch the lies when they give you the passport and, and you either accept them or not accept them to come in. The beginning of the game, it gives you, the beginning of each run, it gives you kind of like a, hey, people with this thing, do not let them go through. And you have to find it and kind of scour through that. And then also the game also has a lot of commentary on certain uh uh, political issues going on uh, across these and it's just the way that they put those things together papers please is like it's just so much fun I, i'm not a puzzle fan like puzzle game fan but this kind of game where you have to kind of like inspect the passport look at the person make sure that the things that they're saying blue eyes blue eyes you know mm. these little things can really throw it, it's so specific to, to this kind of game and it's there's nothing like it and papers please is, is it could have been higher on my list but it's definitely a game that i love that year and i played it on mobile first and this is when the first year it came out on mobile yeah i remember you mentioning this on the show for sure um if if there's ever time in my life to come back and revisit it uh, and try it out i will um but yeah it, the way you describe it it does sound like something i'd be interested in giving a try at some point in life uh if i can mm -hmm. um my number 10 uh game of 2020 of, uh, i keep saying this backwards of 2014 <laughs> in 2024 um i gave that to infamous second son um, it was a launch window game for PlayStation 4. Uh, it was really kind of the big technical showpiece of the console at the time. Um, and I, I, while I never really loved the Infamous series, I really kind of locked in with this game because it seemed like it was going for something uh, that, that seemed more appealing to me. Uh, and it just looked cool. It really did look cool. Um, where the game kind of fell apart was narratively uh, kind of the same trappings of of you know the time uh you know just like weird uh undercooked plot elements uh this pseudo superhero science lab kind of uh, element going on with a big evil corporation kind of trying to control and dominate and take over the world uh so it didn't do a lot of things there that really stuck out to me but the gameplay was pretty fun traversing through the world was really cool um, and, and you can really tell that they were starting to get their bearings uh, as a studio at Sucker Punch and figuring out like what we want to do with open world gameplay. Um, and you can see that they were kind of outgrowing this formula. So I, I yeah. and, and, and later on, as we've seen, you know, there's no more infamous at all now and they've moved on. And I think that's for the best. But uh, it was a really solid game. It was fun. It was a good time. And I think it really, you know, stuck out to me thinking back like, man, that wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. So that's why I have it on my yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so the my number nine is uh, Shadow. Was it Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor? Uh, this is a game that came out of nowhere, a licensed uh, a licensed game on the Lord of the Rings franchise, where nobody had a lot of expectations for it when it came out. But when it came out, it was praised, exploded, it was huge. Basically, what this game did for me, it kind of replaced Assassin's Creed because that's the year that I think that Assassin's Creed Rogue and Unity came out, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and I. I was not a fan of those games and this kind of took that formula and put it in this world and was absolutely amazing uh, the story was great the story about revenge you know sauron took your family killed them and you're out to revenge uh that and that whole world is just jam-packed filled with those classic lord of the ring characters and it introduced a very very dope ass mechanic known as the nemesis system where as you fought throughout the the, the game you created these nemesis these, these people who hated you for wiping out their their command or whatever it is and they would show up out of nowhere with their boys re intact, ready to go, and they would come out of nowhere, and, and you would have to fight them, defeat your nemesis, which would create more nemesis throughout the game, and it was a feature that everybody swore every game was going to implement until WB decided to kind of uh, copyright it and never use it again, <laughs> uh, assholes, but this was a game that played well, great story great narrative that awesome mechanic is a game that came out of nowhere and and it was just one hell of a, a of a game to play it's its sequel was had too much going on it was oversaturated but this was the perfect amount of, of game and i loved this game when it came out in 2014 yeah i couldn't get into it but i i definitely saw the 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 cool factor about it i think i just kind of got i was too fatigued about middle earth and that at that point i just didn't want to see it anymore but yeah, I, I definitely agree. It was definitely one of the better games of the year, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, my number nine is kind of a controversial one, uh, because my number nine uh, favorite game of 2014 and 2024 is Watch Dogs. Uh? The first one. Um, I'll be honest. I think that back then, I think a lot of the hate that was directed at the game was kind of charged from the the graphical downgrade um mm -hmm. controversy which was it, it was a it was a huge downgrade there's no denying that but i guess that through the passage of time like we've seen so many graphical downgrades over the years that thinking back about watchdogs downgrade it's like it's almost like whatever it's not a it, it, big deal you know right when i think back about the, my time with the game though then i played it maybe about i want to say about three or four years ago um i I actually liked a lot about it. I thought it was pretty fun. Um, I didn't hate the lead character that much. Uh, I, I thought people were kind of unfair to him. He, was he bursting with personality? Not really, but I thought he was fine, and I thought he, his his backstory was interesting and engaging, and I thought the hacking gameplay um, was fun uh, for what it was, and I, I thought the serious tone was actually kind of cool, and it was something that I... I actually missed when I played the sequels, which got too weird and too wild. Um, so I'm more of a Watch Dogs 1 guy, and I'm, I'm in the extreme minority in saying that, but I had For a fun sure. time with this game. I really did. I, so I can't hate it like everybody else does. Yeah, I, full disclosure, we're, we are able to see uh, other people's lists here. And when I saw Marco put that on there, I was pretty shocked because I didn't hate that game. 
but I do think that for me, Watch Dogs Two is vastly superior. Uh, but yeah, it's not. It, I I do agree with you. I think a lot of the conversations behind that game was purely based off that downgrade visual mm-hmm. uh, aesthetic, which was it was a huge downgrade. But it, it's not a terrible choice. Uh, not not by a <laughs> not by a long stretch. <laughs> not a terrible um, choice. Not a terrible choice. You know, uh, my number eight, which brings me to my number eight, Sunset Overdrive. Uh, Insomniac at that point was the Ratchet and Clank and the Resistance uh, people, uh, and I'm not a fan of Resistance at all. I think I actively dislike those games. I know, Marco, I think you're a fan of those games. Uh, yeah, and you're still active a, in your dislike of them? They've been dead. Yeah, I think those games active? are so, like, over, that's like overhyped trash. Yeah. No, they're not trash. They're not trash, but they're just, I didn't like them. Anyway. No, here nor there. Uh, and so, Ratchet Clank, I was not a huge fan of Ratchet Clank either. I'm a Sly Cooper guy. So, when they come out with this game, which is different from what they've done across the board, and it was just brimming with color, personality, and it just had like this really cool, awesome factor to it. And it was just referential in terms of like uh, things that are going on in, in, in like the entertainment. So many things that were happening. The story was hilarious. The, the, the premise was silly, but everything about that game just was so fucking fun to play and it took traversal to the next level kind of getting you like that you could grind throughout the entire game the jump through these buildings basically trampling off of them it was just like a really good time it was the most fun to that point that i think i had in an open world when it came to this traversal at that point you know you're looking at the assassin's creed to the world where you're methodically climbing and this game was just all costumes thrown to the wind and it was all about the aesthetic about how awesome it was to play the the, the gameplay mechanics all of it worked out for me I thought Thoughts of Overdrive was was amazing, and it was and it was a precursor to what they would have done with Spider Man down the line. Uh, but I I love that game. I think that game is really awesome. And I want to spoil your list a little bit. Shocked, shocked. This game is it on your top ten? Like I, I I don't know if we've ever had the conversation about Sunset Overdrive, but in my head I always just figured you were a fan of the game because this is a it's a good game, you know. But I'm completely shocked. This is it on your top ten list. So, do you remember the segment that we did recently about games we don't love anymore? Yeah. This almost that, made that the was, cut. Okay. This almost hmm. made the cut. Um, the, looking back, the shooting while grinding on rails was not enjoyable to me very much. I, I didn't like a lot of the weapons. I didn't like a lot of the mission structure either. Hmm. A lot of those missions were very bad um and just very fetchy and very boilerplate type of stuff um in hindsight yeah i think the style of the game i loved it i loved the style of the attitude the energy from the game all that stuff i think holds up really well in my brain but i think some of that gameplay just doesn't hold up the best when i think back in hindsight now so it's like eh, i don't know if i'd have fun playing it um, in 2024, and uh, whereas I think a lot of the games that are on my list here, I could still muster up really good levels of enjoyment. Whereas I think I'd be fighting with the gameplay more and the mission structure more with Sunset Overdrive. I, I played Sunset Overdrive again the year that Ratchet and Clank Drift Apart came out, so like two years ago. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I I didn't feel like the ra- the 
the the grinding while shooting was that much different from what they did in the new Ratchet and Clank game. Like it, it kind of felt similar in that sense. Like mm-hmm. it might have been a little bit more. It might have been better. It's more in linear Ratchet Clank, in Ratchet obviously. because you're heading in one direction yeah. only, whereas you you have to do flipping and then you have to go above the rail yeah, and below yeah. the rail and then you know you're getting chased by hordes all the while. It's like oh my god, I, yeah, I, I, feel I think like you can never aim well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. But so. I, for me, playing it, what, two years ago, I think visually the game still holds up enough to where it's, like, it's not like a disaster to look at. Uh, and I think gameplay-wise, it, it still it still worked pretty well for me. So, mm-hmm. But that that was just kind of, that's just me. But I, I just wanted to say that I was just completely shocked this wasn't on your top ten list. Well, stop ruining my damn list to the people, man. Stop doing that. I'm sick of it. Um, sick of it. All right, my number eight from 2014. Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes. Um, my hate hate relationship with Phantom Pain <laughs> is pretty well known. Uh, I have more of a love hate with Ground Zeroes because I was I think at that point when I played it, I was still really open minded about just how good the potential full game of Phantom Pain could be. Um, because it did feel good to play. It was cool. It was uh-huh. like, oh man, open world, open, I guess, open region, I guess. Area, yeah. Uh, it, you know, felt good. The gameplay refinements felt pretty solid too. I was like, okay, this this is working. They were doing a lot of interesting things with like, everybody's running on like a timer in this game. This truck is going to go at this certain time. You can either get on board and, you know, kind of hitch a ride to the prison cells now or you can find a different way i remember they koji even did it where like if you skip the cutscene that happens in the game the events that happen in the cutscene are still going to happen in real time and you can kind of beat certain things uh early so i thought that's i was like man that could be really dope this weird villain skull face dude like but you know as you know we play the real the real game and i'm like oh god this is not it but at the time i'm like you know what ground zeros could be cool um and it could in a good setup so i still you know off of technicality thought that you know my positive experience of at least that you know that that uh whatever it is a prequel or not prequel but um um pre something i'm running out of words i don't know what i'm saying anymore but yeah it's a prologue prologue prologue, uh, That's prologue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to to the phantom pain was still really fun for me overall so i thought you know what eight is a good spot for it here so that's where i got it yeah i mean i i waffled this a little bit because it's like is this a game the glorified demo but i they, they marketed it such because they sold it yeah. for 30 bucks yeah, yeah. so yeah that, that's kind of where i i came down to but yeah to your point man i have a love-hate relationship with it too because i love it for what it is and i hate it for uh, setting up my expectations exactly. to, to a game that didn't really work out for me yeah all that stuff is, is is right on the timing stuff what i do love about that is you can disrupt the timing of that stuff as well and and, and send everything into chaos you can uh do so many mm-hmm. of those uh, obviously you can accomplish those that level any way you want um, what I loved about it is that it felt like a traditional Metal Gear Solid game with the infiltration of a base, but still being very new. And I thought that this game was going to be that, uh, but uh, the, the the Phantom Pain, but it wasn't that. But for what this game did and what it showed and what it offered, I thought this was the makings, the ground zeros, if you will, of oh a great, of the next great Metal Gear Solid uh, uh renaissance like the next few games are going to be amazing because this game there's no doubt this game it has a, a a great villain it has this amazing gameplay they kojima still got it he understands what makes a, a, a game like this of this caliber great and you know 
whatever the results were, my experience with with Ground Zeroes was absolutely phenomenal, and I I I, I wish it was I wish it was more. I wish this was the game. I wish it was the game that we got. You know. Yeah. But and I don't think you mentioned that it's your number seven, but that's why you're. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. My number seven. So that's, yeah. That was your yeah, number, seven. My number seven. So that was my number yeah. eight. That's his number seven. My number seven uh, is Steam World Dig. Uh, Steam World, made mine. Steam World Dig, man, it, it was such a not me kind of game. But I've heard I heard so many good things about it back then that I'm like, I have to try it. I have to because it just sounds like it's one of those indie games that you know will very rarely speak to me, and it really did. The gameplay was super super addicting and gratifying. Literally digging through, you know, the the dirt and then finding you know these finding different things in there and, and, and making your own pathway to platform through certain areas was really really clever. Um, the, the the platforming mechanics all felt really good and tight and responsive. Uh, it did ultimately get surpassed by Steam World Dig Two, which is one of my favorite games of all time. But Steam World Dig, as far as kind of laying down the foundation for what would be the future of this platforming series, was was really really special to me, and uh, that's why it made my list at number seven. So shout out to Steam World yeah. Dig. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a good one. Almost made my list as well. Uh, number six for me. This game was probably my game of the year in 2014, uh, but now it's just at number six, and that's Dragon Age Inquisition. You know, I am one of those people that ha- have felt that this game has definitely diminished in my eyes as time has gone by. Uh, I I've replayed this game many times and never experienced or had the same experience I had with the first time I played it, where I was in awe of this game. And so the more I played it, the the more some things kind of stuck out to me. But all in all, this is still a very solid uh, RPG, and it is you know it it, it continues that Dragon Age kind of well that Bioware essence where they were making really good RPGs at that time and, and I think Inquisition definitely was probably the last uh, of its kind uh, for, for a long time anyway uh, but I think everything it brought to the table I think the, the, the voice acting I think the story that it told I think the, the, the decisions you made the, the, the consequences based on certain aspects uh, were all really well done um I didn't really love the the main villain uh, when it's all said and done, but the world, everything graphically, it was a very impressive game. It's just, it, it's not the game that I can t- think about now in 2024 and be like, yeah, this is definitely my 2014 game of the year, but mm-hmm. it's definitely still a good game, and that's why it's uh, sitting there on my number six. Very good. All right. Well, as for my number six, uh, that goes out to another Hideo Kojima game, uh, or this in this case, an experience called P.T., um, if you were to ever wonder what the scariest game I've ever played in my life is, it's this, by far. This game was so unsettling, so terrifying, and it chilled me to the bone on so many occasions because of how it uses repetition in walking the same hallway over and over again, but then introducing something different and something scary every time you go to the point where every time you walk through the door and you start the loop again, you you're looking around for like, all right, what's different? What's fucked up now? I hear something that I didn't hear on the last run. And it just plays with your mind in a way that really got under my skin. And that's, and, and the, and the scares Mm -hmm. that do happen on a more traditional, like jump scare level, they crippled me. They fucked me up for life. Um, 
but I, I'm, I'm exaggerating, of course. But I, it, <laughs> the, the thing that I think also moved it to the middle of the pack for me is how influential PT ended up becoming for horror games over time. Like, there's uh, so many of the recent horror games are inspired so, in some part by PT and what Kojima was able to achieve there uh, in a way that I think is worthy of, like, showing a lot of uh, respect and, and giving him his flowers for that because he was ahead of the curve, uh, like he tends to be many times. So uh, just a, a game that, that constantly I, I think back on all the time that really um, recalibrated what my expectations of horror games are supposed to be moving forward. Um, and a game that I wanted to give some some shout out to here. So there is PT. Never played it. I did not have you a PlayStation. You wouldn't handle it. I I never had a PlayStation in 2014. Uh, I had a PlayStation Vita, uh, but didn't have a PlayStation in 2014. I think my PlayStation something happened the year before and it got messed up. I I didn't buy one till like the year after. But anyway, never got to play it. So never had the system with the thing downloaded onto it. I know oh. people were selling PlayStations with the PT uh, demo installed because uh, <laughs> they did take it off the store and it they was did, un- yeah. a- you're unable to play it ever again. So never played it. I did see videos and I, I I seen some stuff like with with mods with the camera with that one lady who's always behind you at all times. That shit's like terrifying. Oh, we contextualizing that entire it's experience. Bad, dude. <sighs> All right, so moving into my top five. Uh, number five, the Master Chief Collection. Yes, it launched broken. I know. But this is the ultimate collection of some of my favorite games of all time, all in one. And the package behind it, the fact that you can jump into a multiplayer game, uh, theoretically, and, and, and bounce between uh, Halo, uh, Combat Evolved, Halo 2, 3, 4, it was absolutely uh, astonishing, the fact that you can do that. Different playlists uh, and the way that you can just jump into each of those games. An amazing uh, experience, plus the fact that you got Halo 2 Anniversary there and we're able to replay that and replay all those games. And as time went on, this is no- nothing to do with 2014, but as time went on, it added more stuff to it, which is absolutely a great, uh, a great thing as well. But, I mean, this was, like the, this was the ultimate collection of, of Halo. You had... All the Halo maps ever created in one place, and you were able to play them as many times as you want, and you had the whole story there ready for you to play as well, uh, with some graphical upgrades, and specifically in two. So, I mean, if you love Halo, you you gotta love the Master Chief Collection. I understand the conversations behind it launching broken. I'll be honest with you, Marco. I know it launched broken, but I didn't have that. Man, I didn't have so many issues trying to jump into so many games. Mm. I think it got worse as time went on. More people bought it. I think it got even worse. Uh, but I, I, I can't... My memory of this game, maybe it's just kind of like uh, the way I'm thinking back at it. Was it a game that was frustratingly hard to get into matches? But I, I know that was the case for a very long time. But yeah, uh, uh, number five, Master Chief Collection. All right. Well, getting into my top five here, uh, we're going to be kicking that off with... Uh, None other than Wolfenstein, The New Order. Um, man, um, Wolfenstein, I'll be, I'll be real, before this game came along, I, I respected the lineage, couldn't care less Same. about the franchise, though. Um, it's, it's, it was right there with like Quake and Doom in my brain of like, I, I, I get it, it's instrumental, it's for part of the history of games, blah, 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 but nah. And they figured out a way to... Not only bring it back up to speed um, for its time in 2014, but to also introduce a brilliantly told story that was engaging. It was uh, pulpy. It was 
campy. It was weird. It was uh, cool. It was like emotional, which you didn't even think. Like, how do you give a character like BJ Blaskovitz like an actual personality and 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 pull that off? Uh, was just brilliant to me. And so I had a ball with this game, and it really it got it put Wolfenstein on the map in a way that I never could have expected in a million years. So I had to give it some oh, yeah. shine here on my list. Yeah. Uh, that's a good choice, by the way. That, well, I'll talk about that a little later on my list. Uh, number four, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I, I've said this before. I think this is one of the best 3D platformers of all time. Not the best, but one of them for sure. Uh, I, I love this game to pieces. Uh, I love the, the map design. I love the difficulty uh, uh, of it. The original, because the, the new one came out and it had like the, the easy mode. But it was just, it was a game that respected your ability uh, to platform and it did not hold back. It was absolutely well done and it's one of those things where a lot of people don't talk about Tropical Freeze as much as they should when they talk about 3D platforming games and it is absolutely an incredible experience uh, I love it I love it I think it, it pushed that franchise forward uh, so much uh, you know because it was kind of in the doldrums for a while had some weird games out there like the Donkey Kong the Congo Bongo game I don't oh, know what the fuck God. that was yeah, uh, yeah it, it, finally we got a traditional 3D uh, Donkey Kong and it was to my for my money Again, one of the best 3D platformers of all time. Yeah, you know, I, I played it and beat it, and I, I really enjoyed it, too. Um, it's not on my list, full disclosure, uh, but only because Donkey Kong just never been a like big franchise for, for me personally. But I have nothing against the game. It was a lot of fun. Um, the good kind of challenging, too. Um, I remember kind of, okay, this is kind of giving me a run for my money here a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, Nintendo. Um, but I, I enjoyed that, uh, that, that extra challenge. It made things interesting. And um, I think that they had a lot of really cool ideas, too, with like level design and different things you can do to keep things fresh. Um, but yeah, yeah, really good game all around. Not surprised to see it on your list at all. Um, my number four is a game you mentioned a little while ago, uh, but it's Dragon Age Inquisition. Um I think that there's a it definitely aged like uh like milk in some aspects I think <laughs> some yeah some of the like the the quest structure the fetchy nature of a lot of the, those quests don't hold up particularly well um but I I still have to acknowledge that even though certain aspects of the story um were not awesome in terms of how they all wrapped up a lot of it was good, though. A lot of those characters were great. Um, a lot of those moments between those characters were really good. Um, I, I remember having, you know, being fully immersed in that world, um, really enjoying a lot of the, the plot threads. And, uh, and I, I liked the combat a fair amount, too. I thought the combat was actually quite fun. Um, it's, a, it's a hard game to go back to now for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving it a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because um, I would still, while I wouldn't love playing that game as much as I did back then, I would love to re-experience that story um, the way that I did back then, and I think that counts for something in my book. So really one of my favorite stories from Bioware, uh, pound for pound, minus a couple of little quirks here and there. So that's why I made yeah. my top five and reached the number four spot. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number three... Wolfenstein the New Order. I mean, I was like Marco, had no expectations for this game, not a fan of Wolfenstein, respected the lineage and all that good stuff, but I'm not really a huge fan of, of, of those games to begin with. This game comes out, 
blows me away. I mean, like like Marco said, like it, it's it feels like a game made by Quentin Tarantino uh, in a lot of ways. It's true. Uh, and and I, I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, so that kind of spoke to me. And then just giving these people personality and, and being a serious game, but also like we talked about in the show, straddling that line of silliness, the 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 level of of, of these characters just being almost unbelievable in terms of their existence, but then making humanizing them in a way that's uh, that that's an, an amazing accomplishment in my book and then <clears throat> i can't really remember or recall a first person sh- shooter that also made me completely care about its story in such a visceral way like it it, it used that first person mode and its storytelling method to really deliver these stories you had these gruesome moments that you've witnessed with your own eyes and, and these very serious plot lines that were like fuck you know like it's it, this game doesn't hold back anything and it is absolutely an accomplishment i think it's 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 what make you know put machine gun uh machine games on, on the map for me the sequel is even better uh, so we'll see what they do in the end of Jones, but because of the, the the success of the New Order for me, I would want a I would want uh I would want Wolfenstein three over Indiana Jones. That's how much that's how much uh, this game means to me. Yeah. So same. Uh, yeah. All right. That's where I'm at. Well, that was your number three. So uh, my number, number three, three, another game that you mentioned a little while back. Uh, I'm gonna say it here. I have Halo: The Master Chief Collection here. Um, it was a broken mess for me. I won't lie. But, you know, again, if we're looking at this from a standpoint of 10 years later, um, I think that they, of course, corrected enough to a point where the original vision of what this product was supposed to be and how it was supposed to function overall, um, I think has largely been fulfilled. And in that, in, in that sense, it is quite an achievement, to say the least, um, to be able to compile uh, those games together the way they did, uh, to add more to it as well. Let's not forget they added Reach. They added Halo 3 ODST uh, as as time went on. Uh, they added a lot of um, extra things to the multiplayer in terms of you know giving you more things to level up to and things like that, things you can unlock uh, to keep people coming back for more. Uh, and while certain aspects of the game are actually still messed up to this day, um, most of the kinks have been worked out. And I can I, I think we can all hopefully at this point say that uh, despite some warts, it, it is a it was a pretty ambitious project that they managed to pull off. And I think that deserved yeah. to be in my top three. So, yeah. Yeah. Got it sure. here. Um, you're so up. quick disclaimer here. The next two games on my list do have technically better versions. But what I'm saying here is that these next two games on my list are games that I would still rather play than any other games on my list in 2024 in their original form. So, uh, number two, that's Mario Kart 8. We got Mario Kart Deluxe on Switch, which is the better version of this game, but even in its essence, even in its purest form, Mario Kart 8 is an amazing game. It is absolutely fun. And here's the th- here's the rub. Not huge Mario Kart fan. I wasn't I wasn't one of those kids that just loved Mario Kart. I, I'd rather play the platformers, Mario World, and, and that stuff. Wasn't really big on, on, on any of the side Mario stuff. But Mario Kart 8 really got me in a, in a place where I was like, man, this is so much fun. And it's just, I, I, I love the, the, the visual aesthetic of the game. But I, I love the fact that the game is, is challenging. The game does have a lot of things going for it. It's level design, it's kart design, it's character design, and, 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 and implementing to the 
the worlds and implementing each character and each of their level designs into that and making it seamless experience. I love Mario Kart. Mario Kart is is, is an absolute amazing. Mario Kart 8 is an absolute amazing experience uh, made better by Deluxe. But as it stands, Mario Kart 8 is still one of my favorite uh, kart games, uh, Mario Kart games of all time. Mm, yeah, I mean, um, I thought about putting it on my list, but I think I, I ended up kind of being honest with myself and saying that I would have only liked the deluxe version of this game and not so much the base version because I, I love what they've added to the game in terms of tracks and yeah. characters and stuff to the point where I think it that would make a list for me over this. But I totally understand your your point of view, uh, and I think it's yeah. Because I mean, I would legit. rather play yeah. Because I would I, I would rather play uh, Wolfenstein: The New Colossus over New Order, yeah. but. In in this sense, definitely these sexy games would play before any of the other games on my list. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. What's your number two there? Uh, my number two goes out to the game that I think is secretly the best game uh, from this studio, which is Super Giant Games. And uh, yeah, it's not Hades; it's actually Transistor. It's Pyre. No, oh. no, sir. It is Transistor. I'm tired. I don't care if you guys haven't heard of it. You can you can sit there and go. Oh, I don't know what that game. Is. This is the best game behind this studio by far. Um, it is a deeply moving and artistically sound experience that I I've never forgotten. And when I played it uh, way back when, and I've revisited in the years since, and and I've had just as great of a time. Um, you know, essentially you, you play the role of a, of a singer, uh, in a city called cloud bank. Her name is red and there's an attack on the city that kind of turns her mute and a man that tried to defend her, uh, dies, um, and is stabbed with this, this sword called the transistor. Uh, and the transistor has this power of absorbing people's consciousness. So it takes the man's consciousness that defended her. And now he's, uh, talking to her and helping her through uh, because now she's using this sword to kind of escape the city and get to safety. And as time goes on, they learn a lot about uh, who is in control of the city, um, that the city is being run by these people who are trying to control the public consciousness and, um, you know, do a lot of weird psychological manipulative stuff. Uh, you run into a lot of people from Red's past uh, who, you know, um, for one reason or another are her adversary and then you can absorb their consciousness into the sword and then gain new powers uh, that you can use the sword for. Uh, It's just really good, and it ends on such an amazingly uh, heartfelt and and sentimental note um, between her and this this, this guy that defended her that's in the sword now uh, that it it just, it moved me from beginning to end, and I think it's one of the best told stories I've seen uh, in games, period. So um, it's a shame that it kind of fell under the radar the way that it did because, you know, it doesn't, it, 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 at the time, the appearance of the game, which they've, they've kept the same art style through Hades and other games in the future. So now it's more commonly accepted, but it looked like an indie game uh, in the past in a way that wasn't as appealing to people in 2014 as I'm sure it would have been now if it had come out in present day. Um, but it's it's been uh, ups, like updated to... Um, modern like visuals it has high fidelity now so it's a game you can come back and play very easily and have a a blast with it's also now available on switch if you want to play it on on the go it's just as fun there i i I really think this is a game that's like it's like on ios yeah this it's it's where it's where you can find it 
you know, it's there and you'll have a great time if you go back and play it, especially if you love the studio, what they've done in the past. I think you'll and you love good stories. I think this is right up your alley. And it's not an Xbox, unfortunately. No, no. Yeah. But yeah, uh, super uh, giant games. They're so talented. I, I. I, Transistor, you, you've told me about Transistor so many times, and I own it on every platform that's available on, and I just, I just haven't been able to kind of get through it. I, 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 I still, it's my goal to one day play through that game because I love Bastion, I love Pyre, uh, you know, I'm taking or leaving with Hades. I think it's a super talented team, and I just got to get behind mm-hmm. that Transistor for sure. Uh, but that takes me to my number one game, and that's Super Smash Bros. for Wii U. Uh, Again, this game has a version on Switch that is a lot better version, but man, let me tell you something. This game has reignited my love for Smash games. I, I played I played some of Melee. I, 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 I liked it okay, but when Smash Bros. came out, I fucking played this game like if it was my job. In fact, I played it at my job. We had a break room in my job that had this game installed into it, and I was literally doing fucking sessions of like, trying to get better with people i i entered because of this game and with this game i entered tournaments uh i i i was just enamored by everything about this game and you know a lot of fighting game purists will say well it's not really like the most hardest fighting game and that's true and that's part of the appeal however it is a lot deeper than you think it is there are a lot of things about this game uh that uh really resonate with with fighting fans and i think that uh, some people like to poo poo it but at the end of the day there are so many things about the fighting mechanics of this game that are really 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 impressive what's more impressive is each individual character takes something from their franchise right and they implement that into the gameplay where it stop doesn't feel broken. They, they it's completely done in a way where it works within that world. Like you, you not in this game specifically, but you know in the past, Solid Snake. Like what the fuck? You have Solid Snake and he 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 belongs there. You know it, it's the the way they make these games are just absolutely amazing. And and it's just it's just one hell. It's my it's my favorite game to on the Wii U platform. Um, I, I loved it to pieces, and then obviously the, the better version ones, which is just one of my favorite games of all time. But man, it is it is an absolute blast to play with friends one on one. Try hard, not try hard. Uh, it's the it's the game that I can't play with friends too much because when I do, they all quit on me, and they're like, "This isn't fun anymore." Yeah, I tried to play that switch on Switch with you, and I didn't like the way that you kind of goaded me into playing there, so you can do your bullshit moves seventy two times. It was it's a, throw trees at it, me, yeah, whatever it, the hell you were doing. I, I, oh, I was using Villager. Yeah, yeah. I love Villager. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's... That's what Pablo it's does to people. Un- he tries to like bring you, rope you in in earnest. Like, we're just going to... Oh, it's okay, man. We're just going to practice your skills. We're going to practice your skills. You want to... Hey, you want to fight one-on-one real quick? couple matches? And then absolutely wreck you to the point... He does the thing where you, like, you hate the game more. <laughs> and he just, he just doesn't say anything on the other line at all. Maybe you had my boogers come up, I know <laughs> Good. I hope you feel embarrassed as I feel when I get my ass whooped by you and you're sitting there going, you got, you got time for one more? No, I don't have time for one more, <laughs> motherfucker. Yes, I have hubris. time. And then I get like my, my pride kicks in and then I say yes. That's about to say, the hubris kicks in. He's like, I, I could be the one. I could do this. <laughs> Let me win one round. This motherfucker threw about, a whole yeah. forest at me at some point. I'm like, what? Is, <laughs> what? <laughs> Love, love that game. I, yeah, but you're Fuck right though. That game. Uh, <laughs> Fuck it. Um, man, what's your number one, man? Titanfall. 
You don't want to ever see me in Titanfall. I will fall the shit out of your Titan if you ever try okay. me in Titanfall. Um, that game was, uh, man, uh, that was my lifestyle game that year. Um, <laughs> it's probably the reason why I bought an Xbox One, to be honest with you, because um, I, I had to have it. I was like, this is the this is the revolution of first person shooters that I've always wanted to see. I'm tired of Call of Duty boots on the ground. Like I want to see some creative sci-fi shit. And this did everything I ever thought it could do. And it did parkour and, you know, the agility and the verticality this game brought to the table. And, you know, you can summon whole ass mechs and then you can get in them and or you can let them roam free and let them fight for you um, outside of combat. Like my mind was just so blown away by this game that I could not put it down. This is one of the few games where I will pop the collar and be like, you could never in this game against me. I got it for you. Um, because I put, I was always number one. I, I was that guy. I was like, how did he get that many points? I was him in this game. That's how much time I put into it. I did the thing where you, um, in Call of Duty, they call it prestiging. They call it something else in here. But I did that like a million times. Like I ran it up. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't put this thing down, no matter what. And it was multiplayer only. There's no story. There's nothing. I mean, they do little. They had little lines yeah, yeah, that they yeah. say before they drop you in or whatever. But I, I didn't care at that point. I was like, I was so impressed by how inventive this game was. And then, and then when the rounds are over, then if you lose, you have to hurry up and get back to the drop ship before you, you know it takes off. And then you got to hope that the other people don't blow up the ship that you're trying to escape out of. Like. I'm like, who's doing this? Nobody's doing anything yeah, yeah. like this. So Respawn Entertainment uh, comes out of the blue. They they form a studio. They make this their first project. And I thought, man, this is this is my new home for, for competitive online shooters. And uh, I was a happy camper for sure. Um, yeah, it, it didn't make my list because I didn't really get into the multiplayer aspect of it till Titanfall 2. And the reason I love Titanfall 2 uh, so much is that multiplayer, but also that story, which is absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Uh, and I, Titanfall didn't have that, so I, I, I fell off that game pretty quickly. And, you know, if I'm going to play a game this year uh, in 2024, that's Titanfall, it's going to be Titanfall 2 in my book. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, but that's a good that's a good number one. That's a good number one. That's definitely a Marco number one. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Uh, so, Pablo, before we uh, wrap up, can you please just... Uh, Run us through your top 10 uh, as a summary real quick, and I'll do the same, and then we'll get up out of here. Yeah, uh, my number 10, Papers, Please. Number 9, Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. Number 8, Sunset Overdrive. Number 7, Metal Gear Solid, Ground Zeroes. Number 6, Dragon Age Inquisition. Number 5, Halo, The Master Chief Collection. Number 4, Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze. Number 3, Wolfenstein, The New Order. Number 2, Mario Kart eight and number one super smash bros for wii u nice those are pablo's top 10 favorite games of 2014 in 2024 as for my top 10 that was at number 10 i had infamous second son number nine was watchdogs eight was metal gear solid five ground zeros number seven was steam world dig number six was pt number five was wolfenstein the new order Number four was Dragon Age Inquisition. Inquisition, bro. Get out of here. That was the re- Let's get <laughs> remix. The remix to Inquisition. <laughs> Hot and fresh out the kitchen. Hot um, and fresh out the kitchen. Ah, Holy shit. Number what three. A recovery. Number three was Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Number two was Transistor. And number one uh, is Titanfall. Um, 
Hey man, that that recovery was so good. I, I'm wondering if you uh, did that shit on purpose. Because <laughs> let me God just damn, delete my notes, and we are going <laughs> to wrap up the show this week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, as well as we did. Uh, and if you did, you know what I'm going to ask you to do: subscribe if you haven't already, if you're so inclined. And if you're extra inclined, uh, leave a positive review wherever you happen to be listening to us. If they happen to have a review section or uh, if it's on YouTube listening to our audio version, you can always give us a thumbs up if you'd like. Uh, But until next time, we appreciate you checking in with us this week to listen to what we have to say about video games. Hope you enjoy playing yours and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.